Good evening and welcome to the obelisk. How's everybody doing tonight? Mish. Never answer hello, me. Hello, hello. <laughs> oh. I know. You know what? My fingers were stumbling to get unmuted. I'm so used to Nox Mente where we have the whole. <laughs> I know, I know. There's a, a bio and the whole, I got the whole spiel, but not tonight, not on this show. We're, we're free we balling it tonight. That's Yes. Funny. And do we, tell me straight here, Jared, do we have a call in number? We do have a call in number. Let's get that out. But I'm leery of letting it loose because <laughs> I, know, I know I know Flavor Town's out there. So. Oh Lord, yeah, I'm sure. We, oh Lord. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could be fun. Oh yeah, I'm definitely gonna put it in the chat. So. Cool. That it would be fun to finally have some call-ins. Maybe Steve will call in also. No, he's too drunk. Is he already? My goodness. I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised. I I don't know. I'm kidding. Steve is our grim steak. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so, yeah, another full moon. Another full moon, this full snow moon, uh, which our, our astrology guest tonight is uh, Sorolta Defaulte. She's going to tell us all about that in a few minutes. Yes, and, very excited from the Lilith Zone. Yes. And after that, we're going to have Walter Bosley, who's still who's here already, but he's going to be talking about his new book, his latest book, Confessions of a Spooky Mind. Which I know. Walter is so prolific with these books, I can barely keep up. <laughs> I can barely read them. Me <laughs> <laughs> too. There's Walter. Hello, Walter. Hello. Uh, I'm not I'm not quite in Nick Redfern uh, prolific status yet. He's the master. <clears throat> and he is in your book, chapter the last chapter, right? I read about it. Yeah, I believe I believe he's mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, he is he is the master of uh, of uh, productivity as a as a writer, but he's a real real journalist. So Absolutely, I've got to give him credit for that. I respect all of his work. He's. Uh, I wish I could write that much. <laughs> really, I I I have such a respect for people that can produce on that level. It is inspiring. Of course, Walter always takes everyone on the journey. So you know, if you follow Walter on Twitter or even on YouTube, he's taking you on the journey. Like I'm writing, I finished this chapter. I'm writing this. Don't interrupt me. Oh, like, <laughs> it's a, you, you have a real devotion and I, I appreciate that. Well, thanks. It, uh, it, it also helps with uh, buying the groceries. So the devotion. <laughs> yeah. Well, nothing That's like inspiration. Of... <laughs> you know, and, and, and in this biz, some people don't, you know, I know there's some people that, you know, it should never be done for money. It's that's looking at it the wrong way. It's uh, by me doing, you know, doing this for for the money, so to speak. I'm doing air quotes there. Um, it allows me to do this full time. So yes, yeah, you know, yeah. which is a greater work. I mean, part of part of this Napoleonic stuff that started to open up some of the real history here was your deep dive into it. I I was shocked not i guess i shouldn't say shocked but there was just so much in there that does not has not come out in the general public and so that was that was really interesting like the twin brother stuff that's pretty wild well the, the pretty close to twin um they were uh, joseph was a couple of years older than napoleon but they uh, again in their own lifetime everybody noticed how remarkably alike they looked which, as you know, in the book I discuss, um, 
that's uh, further evidence, in my opinion, that they had a different father than the other mm. children. So because they they look like each other, um, but they did not look so much like their other siblings. Yeah, it's it's in, all of it is interesting with what you've brought to the light by just you know connecting dots. I mean, every you are Walter Bosley, so this is all really anchored in uh, real real documents and stuff you can find. And I, you know what? I think of you. I know this is. I cannot recall if this was something that was told to me or what, but. I think of you as the original X-File FBI guy. Cool. <laughs> but that's not a that's not a stretch, right, Walter? Well, well, what, how, how do you mean? Well, the, I mean, those are kind of like that's kind of what weren't you investigating the strange stuff? Uh, well, as a federal agent, no, I was a counterintelligence counterespionage agent. I was uh, investigating any allegations of espionage. I was investigating, you know, any possible presence of uh, foreign or hostile intelligence services. And I was running double agent operations. So the, the weird stuff during those years was kind of a side, um, not, not an official additional duty, but it was like an additional duty because my professional mentor who had spent, you know, decades in the intelligence community and had been in the military, you know, the guy who got that career started for me, um, he was also tasking me with, you know, getting up to speed on the weird stuff. So those, you know, your listeners who've been in the military, they know what, you know, an additional duty is. It's you have your job description. But then your unit has those extra admin things or those extra activities where everybody kind of needs to chip in and do something to keep the unit running administratively, right? And those tasks are usually, you know, in the realm of what they call the additional duty. It's kind of a side thing you do. Now, in the, the spy or the spook, the uh, intelligence world, um, if you are a spy for your country, uh, generally you work for uh, the equivalent of your state department and you're assigned to your embassy and you actually have um, a diplomatic uh, tasking. You have an actual diplomatic service job that you do during your Monday through Friday hours, okay? It's what you do in establishing relationships outside that job and it's what you do in the evening and on weekends that's your actual spy work, okay? So if that, it, what's weird is in, in the spook world, uh, very often your, what appears to be additional stuff is actually your primary job. And what appears to be your primary job is just your cover. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, unofficial, that's an official description. Unofficially, yeah, I was being encouraged to and tasked with, um, you know, keeping my knowledge up about this weird stuff and even engaging in it. Um, so, yeah. So it, it wasn't that my daily duties, I didn't go into the detachment as an agent and the boss didn't say, okay, go investigate a UFO or the, a weird thing. Um, it, it was in, it was in the hours outside that. Okay. That I, 
engaged in that. So that that's you kind of yeah you're you're kind of right. It's in the realm, but just the specifics would be different. In the yeah, action. I get that. Let's get I love into it. that. And, Let's get to and that after Sorolta. Yes, absolutely. I'm going to segue in there, but I'm I just, sorry. No, it's I okay. wanted to just acknowledge that, and I wanted that kind of uh, even though we were right here, and it's going to be Sorolta here in a second. I just wanted people that may not know that, including Sorolta, uh, to understand that really cool background. It's very cool. So <laughs> I told her you were like a man in black, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, let's let's bring in Sorolta and get our monthly forecast. Uh, what's going on? So from the Lilla Zone, Sorolta de Volpe. Hello, darling. Well, hello. And Walter, how interesting. I was really um, enjoying hearing all of this and I will be um, listening after, after my little part is done in this episode. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sorry, I walked on your time there. Oh no, not at all, we not have, at all my time. This is no time zone, we have no yeah, time Right, zone. yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the full moon, the last full moon, the snow moon in Leo. Um, how was that for you, Niche? I know you have some Leo energy going in your chart, right? Yeah, it's been it's been uh, Leo moon, by the way, and yes. it, it is. I have actually felt really challenged this last many days, Sorolta. I mean, it seems like things are harder than they should be. And if there's an obstacle, it's going to happen. And in the shadowy period of Mercury, I'm having really weird communication breakdowns. And I usually do not because I'm born under Mercury retrograde. But this Mm -hmm. time, I am having very strange interactions. Those are very sensitive um, full moon. I think people were very... um, um, like, you know, the Leo in us, we just, we need a little acknowledgement or even we want to acknowledge ourselves. But a lot of times it was, um, I felt a lot of people were just super sensitive and depending on um, what house in your chart that Leo hits, what, what, what house is your moon in niche? Third third house yeah mm-hmm. so i'm just it's there's just um you know i i have i have leo in the 10th house so um it was just very like a, a good time to really think about like um um with with uh what was going on with the moon and leo um it was trining Mars in Sag. So it was very creative and there's a lot of long-term um, planning that's good for that. But there was a very sensitivity. I had a lot of people saying, what is going on? And usually I'm so high energy on new full moons and I am just, <laughs> I just want to hide. <laughs> and so, you know, I just think that kind of goes with it. But I also think that was on the ninth. Um, um, I don't know if you were aware of, on. Um, Monday the 10th, um, the Venus and Chiron were conjunct in Aries. Um, And so Chiron is the wounded healer. Chiron is about um, assessing um, the past. So a lot of people were going through um, looking at old wounds in relationships. And um, I was having like weird dreams about past lovers and like, I'm like, oh God, not this again. (laughs) But it's just um, a lot of it of um, 
um, looking at what you need um, from that. I don't know if you were feeling any of that. You have some, I, don't you have Venus and Aries niche? <laughs> I know I, I do. do. I yeah, do too. Yeah. See, I remember that, that about that. Yeah, I feel this. Yeah, we're so. very aggressive with our sexuality. So, so Chiron right now is right on my Venus too. Yeah, um, so it's a lot of that assessing old past stuff. I'm like early, early Venus and Aries. Um, so that's going to be like hitting for less for a few days, or people are going to be, you know. So that's I think that really affected um, the full moon energy too. Um, so. Um, also, Sarolta, I have heard from a lot of people in a lot of uh, podcasts and stuff I listen to, lots of mentions of dreaming of people from the past, relationships mm -hmm, from the past, mm -hmm. and even animals coming up in this last full moon period. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that has a lot to do with Chiron, too, because Chiron is, you know, half human, half, you know, animal. You know, so it's very much about if Chiron is not just the wound healer, it's what most people talk about, but it's also about um, connecting to our animal nature and our instinctual nature. It's also the healer and he's the, you know, the mentor. So there's a many, many things where Chiron is. And, and um, I also think it's a lot about um, with Venus there, it's not just relationships, but it's also artistically. Um, um, there's a regeneration of artistry. Um, also in Aries, the first sign um, that um, it's finding um, ways to um, um, harness our instinctual nature and, um, and um, maybe try new creative directions. Um, maybe, you know, um, challenging ourselves to try something new. Um, um, uh, so that's, that's um, another way of looking at it. And I think that I see that in a lot of people are like, well, you know, I've been doing this creatively, but I'm ready to try something different. Um, so yeah, but animals, yeah, I think, um, and past relationships, like, that, you know, I, I'm I, I, Venus and Aries. I, when I'm done, I'm done, <laughs> you know, right? You too. Um, but sometimes we do have to go back and, and um, look and see if there's still um, something there that we can use as fuel for uh, uh, creativity. That's, yeah. that's a positive yeah. use of it, right? Yes. <laughs> what do you so, see moving forward? Moving forward, well, um, I was going to make a little comment how we've got a Scorpio moon on Valentine's Day. Um, <laughs> so it'll be very like, um, so what? I'm, I'm a Scorpio moon. <laughs> a lot of probing. Moon. I'm a yeah, Scorpio um, moon, yeah. I Scorpio rising, so I, I love Scorpio energy, but uh, yeah, it'll be very much like, uh, <laughs> it's not necessarily going to be a, um, always a uh, uh, <laughs> um, teddy bears and valentines uh, well maybe it could be some hot sex though yeah. oh yeah thank you <laughs> <laughs> let's hope right yes for for those of you out there <laughs> <laughs> keep so, that rock light on <laughs> yeah let it go deep though don't don't, don't try to be surface just uh, ask, for what you, ask for what you really want <laughs> So, um, so on the 16th, we've got Mars entering Capricorn um, and Saturn going retrograde on the same day. I'm sorry, Saturn, um, Mercury going retrograde on the same day. Um, now Mars and Capricorn, that's a very good place for, for Mars. Um, um, the, 
intense thing is that it's going to meeting meet all those other planets in Capricorn, which is Jupiter, Saturn, the South Node, and Pluto. Um, we've had that um, um, clusterfuck <laughs> in, in Capricorn for a while, and now Jupiter is added to the mix. Um, it's very good for getting things done, but um, this year, um, looking forward, we are not going to have a lot of support astrologically. <laughs> it's going to be a pretty tough, like last year was tough, but at least we had Jupiter and Sag. Now Jupiter's there too. Um, the one good thing is the house that all that Capricorn stuff is in for everybody. Um, Jupiter's going to add a little bit of buoyancy. Um, but um, I'm not going to lie to people lie to you folks, um, it's not going to be an easy year astrologically, but it's really about the Capricorn energy. Like, what is it that you're going to need to do? What are you willing to do? It's just completely dedicate to that. Um, that's really until the end of the year when um, Saturn moves out of the, this is this is a really good year to get stuff done. Um, so Saturn's going to be, I mean, Mars is going to be in, in Capricorn for a while. Um, um, so that's, that's, but the, um, I'm not going to go too far into that. It's going to be there for a while. But the Saturn, um, I'm sorry, why do I keep seeing Saturn? I guess because I've got Saturn on the brain lately. Mercury retrograde um, is going to, going retrograde at um, 12 degrees uh, Pisces. Um, and it will be going retrograde until it hits Aquarius in March, March 5th, and it'll go direct um, on the 10th at 28 Aquarius. And then once it gets out of Aquarius, it's back in the Pisces. But um, it's going to be um, conjunct um, Neptune. So this is going to be a super, super deep uh, Mercury retrograde. Um, and I just say, just go with it, just go under, it's underwater as you can get. Um, um, so wherever Pisces is in your, in your chart, whatever house it's in, um, is a really good time to just dive deep. Um, um, for me, it's gonna be in the fifth house of creativity. I am just going to go with it and I'm going to go into my creative flow. Um, it's not a great time to um, really fight it. Um, it's going to be difficult because all that um, energy in Capricorn, we're going to be wanting to go, go, go forward. So it's going to be two steps forward, once you know, one step back. Um, but if you know that this is the the issue, it's a good time to just you know give yourself plenty of space. You know, do the thing you need to do, um, and then step back and relax and really feed your imagination. This is a time to feed your imagination. Um, I wanted to say on the 17th, it's a holiday, national holiday in the United States President's Day. If you have that day off for some reason, um, that's going to be a real uh, time to take an actual vacation of mind expansion because there are no aspects going on um, all day. Um, so it's a rare opportunity um, for that. Um, on the 18th, Pisces season begins. Um, on the 18th and 19th, um, when the moon's in Capricorn, this is a great time to get a lot done. Um, cause, um, with all the, um, with the moon aspecting, hold on, let me look at my notes here. 
This is also Jerry season as a Pisces. That's right. I love Pisces season. <laughs> Look out, motherfuckers. That's right. So, okay, so Tuesday the 18th, the moon enters Capricorn. Capricorn is conjunct Mars and it's trining Uranus. So conjunct Mars, that's super energetic. It starts in the morning. Um, trine Uranus. Uranus is all about change, right? So it's all this stuff. It's a great time. Then Wednesday, it's going to be conjunct Jupiter. Jupiter's about growth and expansion. So those two days just, you know, and it's building up to it, conjoining um, um, Pluto and Saturn. Saturn is the deep transformation. Seriously, um, going forward this year, every time the moon's in Capricorn, it's just like, okay, those are the days where I am going to, you know, just, you know, do all the things, <laughs> all the things. And like I said, though, with Mercury retrograde, you got to give yourself time if it's not working as well. Um, so then the next thing we've got Sunday, the 23rd is the new moon in Pisces at four degrees, Pisces. Um, now that new moon is, is sextile Mars in Capricorn. So that's very good for getting things done. And it's sextile Uranus and Taurus. Taurus is, I mean, Uranus and Taurus is all about um, unexpected changes as Uranus. So unexpected developments, look for those unexpected opportunities um, with, within that creative uh, uh, um, landmark, uh, uh, landscape. Um, also, Venus is going to be squaring Jupiter at that time. Squares are not always great. Um, it can be tension, but between Venus and Jupiter, the two benefics, it's, it's very positive. So it's Venus in uh, Aries, Jupiter in Capricorn. Again, for those of you that are creative types, this is a great aspect. This new moon is a very great time to seed those new visions of creative uh, outlet and and really, it's time to explore the depths of your psyche. Um, um, I think through this whole retrograde, I, I personally love uh, Mercury retrograde in Pisces <laughs> because I love going deep. So I just say go with it. Um, and yes, this, and this Mercury retrograde conjunct with uh, Neptune that makes it like the super underwater. Um, going forward, I see a few good, those are the big, big things. Going forward, a few other things. Um, Venus is going to be conjoined Uranus and Taurus on Sunday, March 8th um, at three degrees Taurus. Now Venus, you know, is creativity and its relationships. Uranus is sudden change and innovation. So that can be um, experienced as changes in relationships or a good time to make changes in your relationships. And that's not just your primary relationship, but in general, friends, um, the public. Um, but it's also innovative artistry, you know, take it to a new place. And in Taurus, you know, make it real, manifest it, put it in the ground, you know, make it, make it positive, make it happen. And then the full moon in Virgo on Monday, March 9th. Um, that's 19 degrees Virgo. Um, that's at 1.48 p.m. in Eastern time and 10.48 a.m. Pacific time. And that's the crow moon. Now, this um, is also um, gonna be a little bit tense because you know Virgo wants to take care of all these details and um, the Pisces sun, 
okay, so you know, the full moon is, the moon is opposite the sun at, uh, by uh, degree. Um, so the sun is conjunct Neptune in Pisces. So, so it's, it's, there's a little bit of tension there, but the positive of that is that new, that uh, full moon um, is trine, which is a positive aspect, um, harmonious, where it's about getting things done to all those Capricorn planets of uh, Mars, Jupiter, and Pluto. And that's principled and practical action. So that's, that's a very, um, that's, that's the way you can really work with that full moon. Um, Excellent. So that's, those are like the, the highlights. Um, and it's going to be an eventful month on, yeah. in many ways. Yeah. Yeah. And all of you artists out there and creative people, like, you know, just let your imagination go and, 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 and go deep and find something different, you know, and, 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 and follow that, follow that instinct. Yes. And I, of course, I love that. And it, it to me, it's the muse energy. Uh, Walter's a writer. So maybe that'll seep into whatever he's researching. <laughs> I, think, I think he's working on a new book. Yay. Of course he is. <laughs> oh, yay. So excellent. And uh, I thank you, Sarolta. How may people find you? Um, you can find me at um, www.thelilithstone.com. Um, on Twitter, I am at the Lilith Stone. And on Facebook, I am uh, Planetary Alchemy Astrology News. It's always a great pleasure. Thank you for being our astrologer for this month and uh, presenting this difficult stuff ahead in a positive light. Because there's, there's a lot of hard stuff going on and it's nice to hear a, a friendlier cast towards it with the light. Well, thank you so much for having me. The pleasure is all mine. And um, yeah, well, you got to be positive. It's yes. as as, uh, <laughs> as, uh, uh, as uh, the rune soup, you know what they say over there, you know, yeah. uh, positivity but is a spell. Yes, <laughs> it is. Have you, been, Gordon. have you been on Gordon's show? No, I, I I adore Gordon. I I am a avid follower. Um, um, but yeah, no, I I just adore him, and I love that he says being optimistic is a spell, and we have to, you know, it. This will change. These times will change. We'll get through it. Yeah, you know, humans have been through it before, and let's let's make some great art. <laughs> Absolutely, the Bohemian the Bohemian way. Again, thank you, yes, Sarolta, thank you so much. and you may find her at the Lilla Zone and on Twitter, and, and we will have all that linked. It's already linked in the description of the video. Yes. So there we go. Right. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks again. Yep. Anytime. Take care. And you're welcome to stay. If not, get the hell out. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Jerry. Uh, yes, it's a pleasure. I it's can. a pleasure. I will, be, I will be here, lurk. I will be here. I will be <laughs> lurk, lurk on, sister. Lurk away. So, Walter, um, welcome. Hey, good hey, to see you. Good to see you too. Well, hello again. 
<laughs> oh, that's right. This is audio. I'm sitting here waving. And I know. Two are the only ones. <laughs> I wasn't even looking at the screen, so there. <laughs> so, you know, I'm curious, would, would you kind of start us out, Walter, with the premise of the new book you have out and kind of walk us through a little bit of that to start with? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm a, it's the rebel gene. <laughs> I just always want to, you know, do the, uh, do the, someone asks you the obvious, it's a yes, just say no, see what the reaction is. It reminds me of when I was a kid, my dad raised us, taking us to horror movies at the drive-in, like really B-grade and C-grade films. Ooh, and I remember there was a daddy. scene where, the, oh, of course, yeah, I was raised right. I raised my son the same way as, as, a, as a result. And we were watching this god-awful low-budget movie, and the good guys were chasing the monster, and they, they were chasing him through a theater. And one of the characters in the chase slips and falls off the stage in this theater, and his buddy catches up with him. And, he, you know, the scene usually plays, hey, are you all right? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. He went that way, you know, keep up with him. You know, and, and his buddy runs up and says, are you okay? The guy says, no. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it cracked us up you know of course simple minds are easily amused but anyway um uh the now are you want me to address this book the the, the most recent one right not yes. the one i'm working on now okay. yeah we'll, we'll the get one to that Jerry actually read yeah okay um <laughs> this book uh you know i've had <laughs> very weird experiences you know dating back to when i was you know 16 years old and um weirdness it led me into the paths that i follow in this regard and weirdness has escorted me and guided me through the whole thing and i i when i was doing the empire of the wheel books i was experiencing um all sorts of high strangeness to include you know authentic synchronicity and um, other weird manifestations. And uh, even some of that is how the Secret Missions series started. And certainly my, my first nonfiction book, the Disneyland book, um, you know, that all started because of some, some weirdness. But I had never, except with the Disneyland book, giving the basics of my encounter with this old man named Alfred, um, and except in um, one of the empire of the wheel books i happen to relate having kind of a healing experience in a location that's discussed in the book but other than that i really you know i'm not one of those writers who injects himself into the story i'm i'm kind of a traditional journalist in that respect where you know it's about the story it's not about me and how you know wonderful i am you know pursuing this story and everything. I kind of disagree with the school of thought, you know, that has been popular in recent years, you know, oh, inject yourself into the story, you know, people, it, it's, that, that has not always succeeded, and I think gets in the way, but I had had these weird experiences, and people, you know, have asked me about them, and I would talk about them in, you know, interviews and such, and I decided, you know what, maybe I should um, finally write the book about my weird experiences, you know, because people are interested and such. And I find it very telling that um, when I do write a book about myself, it's the it's the thinnest, but well, they can't see this, but you know, you guys have the book. It's the thinnest, shortest book I've written. So, <laughs> uh, 
um, I'm kind of proud of that, that it's not my thickest tome when talking about uh, me. But I decided that I should write this book. And, um, you know, I just sat down one day and started and, um, you know, ended up with with this particular telling of it. Um, I, I don't think I could possibly have included everything without it taking me you know, five years to write because, you know, you always remember stuff after, you know, you've kind of told it once. So, um, you know, that's what this book is, is just a personal um, walk through, you know, the weird stuff. An introduction to my weird life is what it really is. So, Jerry, what did you think reading through it? Oh, I thought it was great. I love, I learned a lot about Walter which I didn't know. Um, I love the dedications because I think you've dedicated it to Chuck Barris because of the title. Yeah. Oh yeah. That, that, that whole thing definitely inspired the title because um, I'm convinced he was telling a true story. I, I am too. I, I am too. <laughs> I read that it, book. It, it was seeing the movie that I remember watching this and my one of my my best friend from my college days at San Diego State um we were watching it and I said I'm telling you man either either he's telling the truth about himself or he's got a friend who did this who really wanted to tell his story embarrassed decided okay we'll couch it and say it was me but either way that's just too realistic how those things work and so I you know it, it intrigues the heck out of me Absolutely. I read that one when it first came out, which I was, uh -huh. a I was a kid. I mean, it was what, 30, over 30 yeah, years like, ago. Yeah, yeah. And I found the movie to be disappointing, but, but cool because I always love seeing a book I read in a movie form. Oh yeah. Cause you read the book and there's even more, right? The, right, you know, right. I finally got around to reading the book. And, uh... Yeah. I don't think Clooney was his, uh, his contact, but, um, yeah, no, for, for those of you who don't know, we're talking about, uh, Chuck Barris from the gong show wrote a book called confessions of a dangerous mind about how he was a, a CIA hitman or, a, some secret agency hitman while he was doing dating game date chaperoning and other things whenever, cause he was the guy who came up with the dating game and the gong show and a few other, I forget what they were that didn't really hit it off. But yeah, he, he would, the, the, the producers of the show wouldn't allow the, the two people who just met on a TV show to go on a, a trip alone overseas. So they demanded a chaperone go and he went and that's when the CIA approached him and said, do this for us, you know, on the side while you're there. It's a really good book. It's, it's fun and interesting and has all the intrigue and spy stuff in it plus all the background on him being a game show host and how he came up with the dating game and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's a great book, a great read. It's, and if, if I recall right, didn't he say that that's, that explained why, you know, those of us old enough to remember the dating game, some of the trips they'd go on, you'd go, really? Yeah, there? Right. And he explains that the, sometimes the trips would be determined because he had to go do a, a spy job in this obscure place so Probably. you know hey couple you're you're gonna spend a, a beautiful week in mostar you know <laughs> yugoslavia uzbekistan <laughs> which actually i've spent uh, a bit of time in mostar now bosnia and, and i have to say it's one of my favorite places that i ever had to do work so what's the what's like the new there's some new 
I can't remember where it is. Pakistan or India or something. It's like a new tech center over there. I want to say it's Astara or Asara. A what center? Tech. Like a big tech. Oh, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Like how Dubai is for rich people. This is for tech right. people. I think it's called Asara. Really? They, they like to, this is someplace they like to go and get away. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I forget. I'll oh, look, that's... I'll look it up. But anyway, I don't think it's related. You know, I just remembered too, in, in answering the why I wrote the book, I think this is important and, and I'm not trying to interrupt. I just honestly just remembered this. Um, you know, sometimes when I talk about things, I'll, uh, for instance, people will hear me say, in my opinion, Roswell was not an ET event, or in my opinion, this was not that. And, you know, s somebody who doesn't really know me might think that I'm just a non-believing debunker of these things. And, and one of the reasons I wrote this book was so that people could see I've had, I've seen a ufo december 2014 you know i've i've experienced ghosts i i experienced these things so i do believe that they're real i do accept that they're real and that was kind of important to me to uh, get that message out so that was part of the you know, you know the, um, what compelled me to to write this so anyway i interrupted you no you didn't it's you're you're good dude um yeah it was real interesting i, I had lots of questions written down here Oh, and by the way, right before the show, and I know last time you and I spoke, we talked about Hecate, and you had were having dreams about her. She was, there was something that you was going on with you and Hecate, or Hecate has been for years. Yes. So right before we the have show, a thing. you have a thing, going on me <laughs> and Mrs. Jones. Okay, so um, Madwa says that that ass starts in Kazakhstan. Oh, thank you, Modwiz. Formerly Astana. Huh, okay. So this, is, this new tech center like going to be the AI slash IoT capital of the 5G world. Um, so, and my synchro. I got the synchro bell, too. Um, <laughs> before the show, I was watching DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Do you watch that show? No, I haven't seen it. No. It's... it's it's okay. It's cheesy, but it's good because they're uh, basically time cops and they fly around in a time machine and fix history. That's cool. Yeah. And um, they've integrated John Constantine from the DC Comics into the show. Yeah. So now they have all this demon cool. magic and stuff, which is cool. Right. And right before, right before I came on and turned on Zoom, he prayed to Hecate to open up the seal on his door. I'm like, oh, crap. See? I know. I know. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway uh so yeah i i had tons of questions um the the the, um, the mothman stuff and then you seeing something like that in the walmart you t first you talk about mothman in the first chapter and then oh, oh the yeah the drive the, when i when i and my my uh uh kid number two as i call it um uh we were driving up to walmart that night and we saw a a winged humanoid cryptid mm. creature and uh, you know what can i say we both saw it before i could say anything like hey did you see that she said what the f Fuck is that? that yeah right and i said you saw that she's like yeah and um she had even seen it when it was sitting up on the light post mm. I, I i'm driving so i'm paying attention to the road and i saw the thing when it swooped across as i you know said elsewhere and i think in the book 
Um, and so, you know, I'm really glad that uh, of the three of of three very intense experiences that I've had, <clears throat> I wanted to say the most, uh, the, the ghost experience, the UFO and this cryptid with two of them, I've had witnesses seeing the thing with me. And um, the, the ghost, the other people in the house were asleep. But um, the, the cryptid thing had kid number two with me. The UFO, her boyfriend was with me. And so I, I'm not, I can, you know, feel like I'm not crazy. Someone else saw it. I, I yeah, know validation exactly. is good. I know exactly it, the feeling because I saw something in 2015. And when I was with my family, like a month later, we saw it again with my whole family. Mm -hmm. So, because they thought I was nuts. I'm like, well, there it is. <laughs> Sorry. It's a, that's a big deal. I, you know, also there's the necromantic stuff too, that I think, um, I mean, when I think of you, Walter, I actually think of a lot of wild stuff, even though I think a lot of people think of you maybe as a debunker, but I think of, <laughs> I right? think of you as completely, well, reasonable, incredible. He even says all. that in his book that people think he's a debunker, and he also talks about necromancy. Yeah, I, I, mean, I was taught. I was taught how to do it. Yeah, I know. I know. That just blew me away when you told us that on Nox Mente, and I because a lot of people absolutely do not find that credible at all. With that, it's possible. Of course, people in the occult do, but you know the idea of that is outlandish and yet religions are kind of it's in it's in a lot of religions sure so sure. well and and you know i think it surprises people when they find out not only was i taught how to do this but who taught me you know my my professional mentor the guy who was also a, a you know for many decades in the intelligence community you know this wasn't some you know weird old guru guy who lived upstairs from me this was the guy who you know was army special forces and who you know was right there my, my serious day job career there's the guy teaching me how to uh, raise dead spirits and get information from them you seem to poo-poo the nation of the dod being involved in occult stuff though how so I, I don't remember what it was that i read in here but you made a few comments that uh people think they're all about you know occult ritual and whatnot in the dod um i forget where i read that exactly but i would just say what what was michael aquino doing <laughs> you know okay, that, well, that was personal time stuff i think what what i was probably trying to say maybe i didn't say it well is is it's not an official function oh no it, it's it's something that people in that world are definitely obviously you know i you know are taught and are schooled in and we know for a fact that um, hopefully I get this name right. I think it was was it Sidney Gottlieb or, or one of the MK Ultra guys. That was his expertise, right? right the occult right. and magic, and he was applying that stuff to the study. So in the case of MK Ultra, they definitely were fooling with that stuff. But it, for the most part, uh, it's kind of like I was saying earlier on, where my official duties were to investigate allegations of espionage or foreign intelligence service, hostile intelligence service activity and collection, blah, 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 so forth. Mm -hmm. But what my mentor was getting me to do also on the side was the stuff with the necromancy, the stuff with, um, uh, uh, you the know, kind of viewing. 
psychic communication, right. um, of course, remote viewing. I was eventually taught by another individual. So again, but th this was in the realm of when I say an additional thing, it's not that it would have been unacceptable for me to use these tools in my duties. You see the distinction there? I'm, I'm trying oh, to yeah. show the distinction. Yeah, absolutely. That, totally. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when given a case to investigate, my boss would say, okay, go to the cemetery, you know, pull up a spirit or, you know, <laughs> use the, they would never, and, and, I, and you would never, that stuff would not see the light of day in a report. Right. Okay. Right. But if I used it to give me leads that then would yield actual evidence where I couldn't get those leads otherwise. I was being trained and brought up to speed to where, you know, I could have done that. These are tools. Yes. You know, I, I've been initiation. wanting to ask you, well, or well, an truly, truly. Yeah, yeah. I, I have my thoughts about that, but I'll, I'll save it for later. What I've are your thoughts? Said, well, okay. I've even said that some of it, you know, I asked myself if some of it was just to see how how what they could get me to do how far they could get me to go along with what they told me or to see how gullible i was right i mean someone could look at it that way sure that's not the way i was looking at it though that's not the like, way i looked at it because i had too many weird experiences yes. <laughs> and then you've traveled a long way brother kind of way <laughs> i'm wondering your thoughts walter on uh with all this that we're speaking of right now on the idea of possession and and so it is stripped away from a religious connotation of our vessels being vehicles for uh, uh intelligence uh, sentient intelligence of some mm -hmm. sort and i i can't step away from the necromantic stuff yeah from having some of that uh slant to it Sure. And um, my mentor knew this well because um, he, he once said to me, and he was right, he, he said, I understand your reluctance and kind of the fear and trepidation you have on doing this stuff. He goes, and this is true, nothing scares me more than possession. Okay. Um, even for instance, and maybe it's just because I'm in that generation, for instance, I have never even take the film the exorcist i've never been able to watch the whole thing um i'm only now i'm not reading the book but i'm working very slowly through blatty's reading of it when i found one of those books that you know blatty consulted when he was writing that that was one of the vatican books of actual exorcisms and the dialogue going on between the priest and the entity um i i couldn't I, I couldn't look at it very much. I, I would look at it a little bit. I would, re and I'd put it back on the shelf at the school library at San Diego State, and I would just get out of the library. Um, it's the it's the one thing that scares me more than anything else: uh, demons and the idea of any kind of entity possession, but demons in particular. Everything ahead, is Jerry. demons, right? J J demons is a cue to Jerry always. No. <laughs> Actually, they uh, Grimstake named last night's show "Everything Is Demons." So, with with that though, Walter, what I also uh, this is uh, something I've been recently tiptoeing towards because I I think I come from the same uh, stance as you, and yet now I feel compelled to kind of suss it out a little, and I'm wondering 
How dangerous is it? How prevalent is this kind of, uh, I mean, we see stories now where the Vatican's hiring more official exorcists, that department's growing, and they're doing whole ta- Vatican sanctioned. They're doing whole towns now. And then this is it, it. And then of course, then there's all the other types of exorcisms going on. So I'm wondering, what are your thoughts on all this that's happening currently? That seems to be very modern right now. Well, it's uh, honestly, it starts with, or, or you can't, you can't ignore the attachment that it has to being the, the downside to the interests in these extraordinary things and the paranormal because what's happening a lot of people are opening literally opening themselves up to to things um and you know let's face it we're not all experts on the things we jump into necessarily and when people start messing with first of all you you have to a lot of people out there don't believe any of this realm, any of this weird stuff is real. I'm assuming probably 99% of your audience out there accepts the concept of these kind of things being real. So when you're messing, from my view, when you're messing with disembodied spirits, when you're messing with you know entities that are not exactly human or extra human or whatever, you know, meaning beyond our, our abilities, you are playing with fire. You are putting yourself um, in harm's way. It's like walking into the Amazon jungle with a blindfold, okay? And, you know, there's 10,000 ways to die every, you know, minute in that place. And you're walking in blindfolded, okay? So you're not going to see the deadly fair lance, you know, the different snakes coming at you. You're not going to see the poisonous spider. And it can get at you and on you and and destroy you before, you know, you even know it's on you so it's it's very similar people are jumping into this because it's fun take the ghost hunting craze that you know the last decade was for a while was the biggest thing on tv when you got to these shows where some you know cocky guy that's usually guys um you know walks into a place that has a history and they're being all smack talky and mouthy okay ooh, that I, I can't help but think, you know, <laughs> knuckle, a hole. You're you're asking for something that um, you you're not going to be able to handle. And and so when you get there, when you get to that point, you get these people that really don't know what the hell they're doing or talking about. Um, just kind of stirring the pot, you know, putting a stick in the hornet's nest. And 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 what do we hear? We very often hear later that, you know, the guy's life took a downturn because, you know, something, he just felt like something went home with him and, you know, their, their marriages fail or, or, you know, other bad things start to happen. Zach Baggins, excuse me. I've heard that. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Didn't he experience that? Yeah. I think they all have. Yeah. So, you know, it's not something to play with. No. I wonder it's about... It's not something to provoke, that's for sure. Right. It also brings into question, say, goetic magic. So when you're when you're summoning these entities, oftentimes princes and kings of hell, and they're and they're you summon one of those, you summon their legion. And uh and this is what's always struck me 
with those workings is yeah, you're in your protective circle, they're in the triangle, and then the language you see in in it is a commanding language. It seems very disrespectful. So I th- I've always put myself in the in the shoes of that being summoned or evoked or invoked. And uh, is would I want something from another dimension that will be in mine eventually? Uh, calling me, taking me away from whatever I'm doing and then commanding me to do its bidding, you know, I'm going to, with whatever little trinkets it wants to throw at me, I just cannot separate the fact that when we are disincarnate, do we not then become on level ground with them, Walter? When we pass over. or, Or when we pass over, do we not find ourselves subject to them? That's what I'm asking. That's uh, exactly my query. Yeah. Uh, it uh, well that uh, it it depends on. Okay, here's here's the thing. I quit going to church at 12 years old. Church doesn't interest me. What my friend Joseph Farrell calls churchianity does not impress me. It doesn't really interest me. But and and so it surprises people when they say, "Well, well, what are you?" And I, you know, I say, "Well, I, I consider myself a, a, a stoic Christian." You know, what does that mean? Well, I, I believe that Christ is real and exists. But and they, well, what's the stoic part? Well, I'm I'm not. I'm kind of against evangelism. I'm against going around recruiting people to be like me or to be in my club. It's just a very, very, very personal thing, and that's the the power that I I personally defer to, particularly for the scary things. Um, so I the way for me personally, I kind of feel like there's that protection layer, that 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 wall of of protection that you know i i would have personally but i think i've meandered from your question repeated it when when these ceremonial magicians evoking yes the goetic demons or all that when they pass over and they're mm-hmm. no longer in their shell <laughs> right are they screwed okay that, and, and now i remember why i uh, i i brought this up see for when you ask me that question for me personally i feel like i have that that protection under my particular, you know, the way I look at things. And, um, so, uh, if I'm not playing, if I'm not, if, if I'm not walking on the thin ice, if I'm not, um, you know, playing games I shouldn't be playing, then I'm not worried about those things. Does that make sense? Is that, it makes sense, but I wonder where, what do you think, though, about, say, some of that, the Solomonic stuff? So not setting yourself aside, what's your opinion on on people that do play these games? And I don't want to say games, but do practice this kind of magic. Uh, with- right, right. They're, they're, uh, these are very old traditions, and I have no doubt that there are people who are masters of these tra- legitimate masters of these traditions and those individuals who know what they're doing they know what they're doing um 
think of all the ones who don't know what they're doing that you know and it's a craze right now as well yeah yeah i mean and and what what you know you don't just um and i know there's an exception to every rule but basically when i see some 24 year old guy out there projecting that he's some master of solomonic magic (laughs) okay (laughs) or i see a guy who's you know 60 who says he's a pra- yeah you know i'm gonna probably think that the 60 year old guy has a much better chance of knowing what he's talking about and doing with that stuff than the young buck yeah uh, absolutely poke runin so poke knows what he's talking are we about. talking about like that ea quetting guy uh i well, i wasn't naming names no. and i'm certainly not a fan of him but just in general in general, just the modern craze that's happened recently in occultism, especially ceremonial stuff where the goetic stuff's really popular. Summon a demon, add water and stir. <laughs> well, and, 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 and the people you see doing it are, the, you know, they're, they're, it doesn't matter what age they are. They, they tend to be a little more wet behind the ears, so to speak, with this stuff, right? So they're out there. They think it's fun. There is, and I won't name it. But, you know, there's a particular TV show that's very popular. And I've heard other people um, who have said, you know, they don't know if it's such a good idea to be, you know, building altars to pan and invoking this, that, or the other willy-nilly just to, wow, experience the synchronicity. And I agree with that. It's, and, and that's what this craze is about. It's, it, it really is, it really is almost like a game for them. You know, it's just fun and games. I have a friend who's an associate who's been doing some things recently in uh, certain geographical locations that, you know, when he, before he did it, we had a private conversation and I said, you need to not fool with this stuff. You know, you, you need to not do what you just told me you're going to do. And, you know, and what you get is the, ah, I know what I'm doing. Okay. All right, you know. Jack know Parsons knew what he was down. doing. I'm going to do it too. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's so, it, it's, some of these people, they're going to do what they're going to do. And they're not going to listen until the proverbial, you know, it's too late. And they're just not going to, they're just not going to listen to you. So you just kind of keep your fingers crossed and hope that um, nothing happens to them. Is there... In your observation, uh, is there a bleed off effect? So say one of your friends, one of your good friends gets into doing this kind of work and, Mm -hmm. you know, wants to summon a Paimon or whoever. And uh, can that bleed over into their friends' lives? Is there there any bleed over? I, I wouldn't see why not. Um, because you're talking about, you know, bringing forth a power and entity into a space. So why wouldn't anything or anyone in particular in that space be affected? Look how many times, it, well, look at the ghost chaser guys. There, wasn't there, hadn't there been, could be wrong, but I seem to recall when they talk about, you know, the things that they're dragging home, it affects their their spouses and their children, right? And And weird stuff happens. I think the very nature of, you know, when you have a haunted place, uh, it affects, you know, people that go into that place, um, they experience the phenomena, whether they had um, anything to do with why it's there or not. 
So yes, I would say the answer to your question is, is that's another reason why not to be irresponsible with this stuff is you don't know who else you're going to hurt. In my profession, we have this saying where, you know, it's bad enough to get yourself hurt or killed, but it's unforgivable to get somebody else hurt or killed. And yeah. that's the way I look at it with this stuff, you know. Is um, there, Walter, is there a possibility that, and of course, this is all, you know, it's all opinion, uh, but is there a possibility that, say, people we encounter, and let's just use the world as our stage here instead mm -hmm. of uh, bringing it down to smaller level people, but say like world leaders, is there a possibility that they can become possessed by certain disincarnate entities, whatever we want to call those? Yeah, they're human beings. Anybody, anybody could be possessed. Even, you know, they, even NPCs? Some people have looked at films of Adolf Hitler speaking and they point out instances where they're convinced, you know, there's he was possessed there. He was, you know, it was really coming through here and there. That kind of thing so yeah absolutely i think it's, it's they're human beings so well, why wasn't not? he possessed by the rothschilds yeah he might have been <laughs> <laughs> um so uh going back to detachments and picking up hitchhikers and whatnot i, w I couldn't help but think about skinwalker ranch and the experiences people have had there what are your thoughts on skinwalker ranch wow um I was really intrigued when I first heard about it and when I read um, one book about it, the first, you know, one of the early, uh, I think the first one about it. And then, you know, as you learn more, it begins to, the, 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 um, the provenance and the validity becomes kind of murky. And then, you know, different people, as we know, got involved with it. And, and now I think, Unfortunately, it's so murky. The waters are so muddied with that that it's hard to, it's hard really to decide if it's uh, a legit thing or not. At this point, I get. Um, I totally, I totally agree. After I saw that movie that Corbell did, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just let's talk to somebody who talked to somebody who knew somebody <laughs> who experienced something there. I mean, what is that? That's that's an impeachment. You know, yeah <laughs> no firsthand witnesses no you know um so it's it was it turns out to be much ado about nothing once again in our field our community right mm -hmm. I, I i after watching that movie and and what i know and what i researched about skinwalker i really got the feeling that it was some kind of ancient tribal healing place where you go face your demons and heal internally, mentally, whatever, psychically. And I think it's been polluted by all the publicity and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I didn't mean to say that I don't think there's nothing to it. I think that whatever was the original experience with the place was the original thing about it. Yeah. Absolutely. has been so layered and muddied with the, with the typical nonsense of when you know the 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 the, the psychic pollution the, of all the visitors yeah the the industry what's that's within our community wants to exploit something and you know it muddies it and i think it's kind of spoiled whatever's naturally there yeah. for a while i agree i agree 
Because cool. I think these places, I, I think, you know, there, there was probably something to it. I mean, you, you, you've looked at my books. You know I think there's weird stuff associated with places. Of course I do. Um, there's, you know, some, some weird stuff in uh, uh, southern Arizona, I think, associated with a place called Aribaca and, and, and things like that that I think there's something to do. And, and of course, the Telluric current sites and sure. things like that. I think Sedona's weird. Sedona, you know, there's, there's weird stuff there. But um, it, it, it's, it's you do uh, – people have this – a lot of people have this um, idea that – if you advocate weird things A, B, and C, you cannot. You're not allowed to be critical of weird claims D, E, and F. No, no, no. Because you advocate this, therefore you have to support and nod and accept it. Like, no, heck no, <laughs> yeah, heck no. We must be discerning because repeatedly people are lied to and tricked and um, you know misled in this field. Um, you know, that has always gone on. And so, no, we, we must reserve the right to be discerning and say, eh, I don't think I'm buying that. Yeah, I buy this, this, and this, but I ain't buying that. Yeah. This is why I've always deeply respected your work, Walter. And, hey. and of course, anything you're involved in, because I know you're reasonable, the real term, the real meaning of reasonable and discerning. Well, it, it's, it's, it's like this. Uh, people say, well, if you disagree that such and such was not ET, then you're just a debunker who doesn't look. Well, that's nonsense. I totally think and believe ETs exist and that they have come here and continue to come here. I totally think you, you know, believe UFOs are real. I've seen one myself. What, I, what I'm saying is what we have to do is we don't have to believe every UFO is real or every UFO is ET or every story we hear is legitimate. And that's the distinction. Go ahead. No, go, Jerry. <laughs> no, I was going to, so you say you, you believe ETs exist. Do you believe, you don't, are you like a space alien guy or an interdimensional alien guy? I think both. Both? I, I think, I think there's inter, interdimensional places with, mm -hmm. with, you know, beings, people that live in those interdimensional places. I think outer space is full of habitable worlds with intelligent beings that go all over have come here and continue to come here yeah so i'm i'm both i don't i don't just say it's got to be this or it's got to be that okay with that thought right here before us and with the 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 little bit of the line i was throwing out earlier is it possible these say more advanced uh ets for a, a lack of knowing what to call them anymore I, I don't even know what to call them aliens uh the and this includes interdimensional and all that is it possible that some of these i'm sure you're aware of these theories that they're each of the governments are kind of an acting or possessed by certain alien factions that's a, that's a narrative. That's, not, a conspiracy that's, that's narrative. That's a narrative. It's a it's a narrative out there. But I'm trying to tie it into the idea of possession. So, say someone with a good, you know, that means well, gets into politics, moves through the ranks, and along the line gets initiated into whatever all that is, uh, and then becomes 
very powerful at what point and then you where we're talking about earlier where you can see like wow this is this is not what this something's different something's going on here and for me i start questioning is this person compromised and what i mean by that is have they been has their vessel has their avatar been co-opted by whatever is actually maybe in charge or at that part of the pyramid at the capstone ruling over a certain say country um that that's a complex situation there uh to the it extent, is <laughs> to the extent that any human being could get something attached to them it's possible that any politician world leader whatever uh, could get something attached to him or her, um, depending upon what they're exposed to. Now, if you look at, this goes back to, you know, going back to religion, if you look back historically, very often a particular god can be associated with a particular religion. So therefore, if you have a nation that worships a particular god, in a way, that god is therefore kind of possessing them on the superficial level in that their perception of or their belief of what this god's particular will or agenda is is what's driving their actions now of course then take it one level higher and, and deeper and that is the leader of said particular nation or kingdom or whatever um, would naturally seek to be closer to that god that particular god that they're following and so therefore that leader king whatever um, in, in seeking to be closer to that entity, again, runs the risk of some type of, you know, um, possessive experience or condition. So, you know, you, you have it happening like that. And then bring it into, you know, our, our contemporary times, um, certainly an entity, let's say it's an extraterrestrial intelligence from another planet, or let's say it's an interdimensional um, being, if they have any kind of uh, sufficient uh, technological capability or or psi capability, okay, that would have that could appear godlike, well, they would have the ability then to influence the leader of any nation, say in our world, that would be open to some type of relationship with their civilization so therefore leader to leader you know depending upon how powerful this otherworldly leader is could um you know uh, control or or maybe even possess on some level the mind of that uh, that willing leader or group that's um kind of you know welcoming welcoming them with open arms um, the, you know, the, these are the, and, and what's the, the common denominator here? An individual exposing themselves to some other being, okay? Yeah. So it, it, you know, I, I think you would, and, and, you know, there's another thing we often hear is the, about how these entities, there's always that theme of you have to invite, you got to invite the devil in, right? Right. Yes. You, you, you got to invite that entity in or, or the idea is they can't get to you. They can't affect you. So 
you know, you'd have to, if you suspected it about a particular leader, you would have to um, dig into that person's background or activities and see if you could identify what the possible doorway into that person's life could have been or that moment of, you know, opening that door and, and letting the devil in, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes people are just shits as human beings and, you yes. know, it's nothing to do with a demon, you know, or any kind of possession. They're just, they're just a, a jerk, you know. I find um, uh, totalitarian globalists to fit that, you know, best. But yes. that's that's my perspective. So Soros isn't a uh, uh, reptilian, huh? No, he didn't need to be a reptilian because he was affiliated with the Nazis, right? Willingly, willingly, you know? right? Exactly. So, yeah, you you talked about in one of the chapters about uh, the pursuit of contact with non-human entities uh by the government i think you even mentioned nick redford in that chapter i think it was the last chapter right you're talking about how no the, the was it the collins elite oh oh um yeah i i really i i'm still expecting to take hell for that chapter um, as you know that chapter talks about the collins elite which nick redfern is the one who you know introduced us to that right. um, that 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 title in his book, Final Events, and he was writing from the perspective, you know, he's talking about the perspective of a particular group. And, uh, you know, from the time I read that book, as I say in, in the chapter, the, the chapter nine of the, of the book, is that of all the things, if I had to guess that my mentor was shaping me for and recruiting me for, this Collins Elite group seems like it. So this is why when I read that book, when I read the next book, Final Events, it just knocked my socks off because I was like, my gosh, this is, look at the stuff, you know, my mentor was teaching me. Mm -hmm. um, I think of the things he was telling me. He was very vague about the group he was involved in. It, it just, you know, resonated so well with that. that in the chapter of that book, that's my, um, you know, my hypothesis is that I was being groomed to uh, be recruited into whatever this Collins elite group actually was or is. Or, or an offshoot of it. And I would have to say that based on your experiences and your, your work history and what you were doing, that you possess some, I, I felt this since we first talked to you, that you, you have some abilities of some sort. And I think your mentor recognized that, and that's why you were brought in, or at least being initiated or whatever you want to call it for that well you know they look at you he told me um he told me that uh, that i and my sisters and, and and not just you know that this is it's my personal belief that every living breathing human being has has these abilities and, gifts, and they they develop uh, and they pop up naturally or they can be developed to whatever degree you know um so you know though we're not special in the fact that we have these gifts now he told me that I and my sisters, in, in our particular family's case, that we were all three looked at from childhood, that I was the one he selected because um, this stuff, you know, if people think some of this stuff scares me, it's really only possession and demons that scare me. He says this stuff scares the hell out of my sisters, and they want no part of it. So it, it, they could see that early, that they would not have been, you know, able to develop with it. He said... You're the curious one of the three kids. He goes, you were the curious one. And it was obvious. And um, 
So, you know, they do look at you. Now, I remember um, that my sisters and I, and I know other people that if you grew up in Southern California during the time I did, the school system out here had a program called MGM, Mentally Gifted Minds. Mm -hmm. And this was one of those typical things where um, you would end up in advanced placement classes if they determined. And I did. I ended up, when I started second grade, on the first day, they said, okay, you five kids, you're going to go over to, you know, it was Mr. Hayden. You're going to go to Mr. Hayden's class. It's a second and third grade mixed advanced for advanced second graders. Oh, okay. You know, you're in second grade. You just do what you know, right. you're told. And um, however, the way those kinds of programs make it easy, say, for, you know, whatever organization or agency yeah, is looking for kids right. to develop. And, and recruit. So, you know, when you have your mentor, when you're in your mid twenties telling you, Oh yeah, you've been looked at since you were a child. <laughs> you know, one of my things was I thought of that. I thought, well, how easy, you know, that, that would have been to, you know, just give us a bunch of tests that we don't even know exactly what we're being, what we're being tested. Right. You know? Right. Makes you wonder what it, those magnet schools are all about too. The ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there, there are still these programs, of ta- course. Tag programs are called talented and you gifted. Know, so, but um, yeah, uh, it's, it's, I know I've had experiences like a lot of people have of, of the intuition, the deja vu. I have a personal hypothesis about deja vu also, but, um, a couple of ideas about that, but you know, a lot of the things people have experienced. Yeah. I, this is, this is another reason why I said I wrote the book because all those people, like you said, that would think I'm a debunker of things, or I don't believe this and that. No, no, no. You know, on the contrary, um, I have experienced these, these, these weird things and have for a long time. Um, So anyway, I I pandered. No, it's fine. I I noticed there was nothing in your book about Tartaria or mud floods. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed. Calling bullshit on all that? I'm, I, you know, because I I gave my word and I said, you know what, guys, I I will give a fair look at Tartaria Mm -hmm. because, okay, here's the thing. Flat Earth, yeah, I called bs on that the first time i'm like it was like are you serious Mm -hmm. and then the we didn't go to the moon stuff i'm like oh please come on you know are you serious now tartaria i thought well okay maybe there's a nugget of truth in all this crap that these guys are trying to get to or that's you know you can get to and go okay here's why i think you think you know, because maybe there was a a particular group or, or, you know, so I thought, okay, I'll give this a fair look because one night in particular, when I talked about it on my stream, you know, a handful of these guys were in there and they were being all pissy and blah, blah, blah. And then we hashed it out and, and two or three of them became very reasonable. And I thought, okay, guys, uh, fairly, I'll look at this stuff that you're saying is convincing. And I'll, you know, give it a fair look, give it a fair assessment. Well, what I have found at every turn is so far, everything I've looked at either independently or what somebody's directing me to, I always come to the bullshit factor where it's, it, or, or some, some ridiculous thing like uh, there was a guy who is presenting something on Tartaria 
and he's talking about this map from 1499 right. and see it's got all these cities you know and this that and the other and, and then in the middle of his presentation get this in the middle of his recorded presentation <clears throat> he says oh oh i guess this map is from the 1630s <laughs> i'm like in the middle of your own presentation you're showing you know what oh nonsense. man yes this is <laughs> And then when you point these things out, the community for that invariably says, oh, you're looking at the wrong guy. So right. here's, where, here's my position. Here's where I'm at. I haven't rendered my final verdict personal for me personally. Um, but here's what I put out there to them. I said, all right, stop telling me to go to this uh, discussion group or that forum and dig through all the files there. Baloney, you're trying to convince me, okay? You send me a link that all I got to do is click and I can read that file, number one. Number two, <coughs> um, uh, somebody in their field needs to distill all what they think is the best evidence and write a book mm. and make this um, digestible for the person who's a complete stranger to their theory. And, uh, excuse me, <coughs> gosh, the dry throat. Sorry about that. That's cool. Um, that's probably them sending me vibes, you know, shut up about being negative on Tartaria. But th this is my <laughs> thing is stop telling me that everybody I look at is the wrong guy to look at, you know? And then the other thing, this is one of my peeves. And this is a trend, not just with these guys. And, and really, I've seen it worse with others, in all fairness to the Tataria people. They haven't been as bad. There's a couple of groups of fans of a couple of things that are recently, you know, been popular in the last couple of years that, um, quite frankly, these people are the biggest a-holes in the community. Hmm. And I really wish this hostile, aggressive, um, hateful fan trend would just go away. Yeah, I agree. You know, the, these people I'm need so to stop. I'm so with you on that. Yeah. yeah, they need to, just because someone's critical of their beloved, they need to stop getting on social media and attacking them by spewing venom and then ganging it's up doing on nobody any service, especially <clears throat> what they're trying to get out. It's like Brad Pitt. Oh, that's coming right. They're not, I mean, think about it. They're not winning any converts. But here's right. the beauty. With time, one of these groups was, you know, um, I, I, I won't name names, but I'll, you know, I'll spell it out for you. The fans of TTSA, um, they were all... Uh, I'm being sarcastic there. They were all um, all smack talk and they were so right and they were going to change the game. And now they're a bunch of boobs with eggs on their face because nobody is buying that that anymore. And and that 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 organization has put a lot of the egg on its own face. So, you know, th their group looks as foolish as <clears throat> some of us were trying to tell them they were looking. And then, you know, there's the fans of a particular TV show that they just they just get livid and angry if you don't say it's the greatest thing you've ever seen. And and now here's the thing. I was one of the first open, you know, not I, I wouldn't say open. Yeah. Critic in the term of critique. And boy, I caught hell. But now I notice more and more voices are coming out saying, yeah, it's not that great. Yeah, it's not that convincing. Well, I think for, for me as an anti-ETH guy, I think I catch hell from the from the nuts and bolts people. I mean, there's that yeah. division in the community.
So, yeah, I have a guy. I have a guy who would love to talk to you about Tartaria. He's got tons of great info. Okay. He's an Have him send it properly. To I, I will. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll say right said. now. I, I don't want to be told. I don't want to be told to go to this uh, forum or or discussion group where I have to navigate. I have to download a program on my computer. I have to navigate. And, yeah, no, 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 yeah. No, I, yeah. You're a busy guy. To totally get yeah. it. Yeah, you know. I. But my, doesn't my... this all speak to you of both of you, everyone out there, anyone out there that? In general, more people are actually questioning the world around them. And ultimately, at the bottom of the barrel here, at the very core, at the baseline, that is what's, what's important. And then it just, all this fuckery piles up, this group and that group, and then you get, mm -hmm. you know, the crown trolls and all that. But what mm -hmm. we do agree on is that, Reality's not what we've been sold. Right, right. But um, yeah, exactly. You're right, and I agree with you there. That it's healthy to want to look at things from a different perspective to say, well, maybe this isn't exactly that. And sure, we only have you know a couple of groups that are taking that to an illogical extreme. But they, the they do part. make a lot of racket and they caught, you know, they will, if you're on the fence about something and you encounter, you know, a crown troll, it, it, you, for me, I'm just like, all right, I'm out. I won't even like, I'll go further and there's a, uh, you know, there's, oh, there's I, your uh, jester at the door, you know, I laughing at you. Yeah. I love it. I've always admired you, Walter. For, I block you know? them. And, and I have, I have, I, I have comment approval <clears throat> at my YouTube. Those yeah. a-holes never see the light of day in my comment section. <laughs> the oh, most yeah. they can do is give me a thumbs down. And guess what? That's interaction. YouTube sees that as a positive thing. Yeah, true. I think, yeah, they don't realize that. I think personally it's bad karma, but whatever. Yeah, you block Suzanne. That's right. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh. What was that? No, a friend of ours got blocked by you, and she doesn't know why. Is oh, she and still didn't I reverse it? Didn't mm. I reverse? Didn't I unblock her? I don't know. <laughs> oh, I, I thought, see, there was somebody that said, oh, hey, I didn't mean, <clears throat> and I'm like, oh, shoot, sorry. Or or uh, for a while, because I was getting, a, uh, I was having a problem with trolls, mm. I was not accepting um, on Twitter people with locked accounts. Uh, and in yeah. fairness, yeah. I, I, I pinned a tweet and I said, folks, because of trolls, I can't, <clears throat> if I can't see you who you follow, who you are. I just, I don't want to deal with, you know, if it's a troll. No, she's definitely uh, a troll, but not online. <laughs> Sherry, you're so terrible. <laughs> she's so in, she's in chat. You, I'm goofing with her. If you send me her screen name or whatever, I'll, I'll, I'll unblock her. I will do that. <clears throat> yeah, cool. But this is, so Walter, this is one of the things I've admired in your work is that you are getting, you are presenting to us through this, all of, all of the work that I've encountered of yours, that there is there is something going on, that sure. there's more to these narratives, there's more to these people, and as mm -hmm. we brought up earlier, like Napoleon, than we've been sold. You know, right. that they've been manicured into what what the people manicuring them want you to see and believe because of the circumstances around what they're selling you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to, 
And, you know, and I say this coming from, <clears throat> I know there's people saying, well, used to be an FBI guy, used to be, you used to be an agent of the evil Air Force OSI. Yes, indeed, I was a special agent of the Air Force OSI, but <clears throat> I see um, what I can do is clarify what OSI actually is and does as opposed to what people have come to think they do, all because of, you know, one legendary infamous guy mm -hmm. who even he's not guilty of a lot of the stuff that people demonize him for. Yeah, I mean, I think anyone that has anyone that knows anyone that is possibly semi public or public has come into that understands how these how how that stuff just spins out of control. And it's, it's always surprised me just knowing a lot of people in the world and and then seeing how they're portrayed <laughs> you know it's like are they actually talking about that person <laughs> you know uh, um but what do you think so just kind of bare bones here and look at so bare bones and looking at the state of of the planet at this moment mm -hmm. There's a lot of crazy going on. Nobody, you know, you can look and see it from weather to politics to personal interactions to strange, high strangeness and low strangeness. What the fuck is going on, Walter? Uh, in, my, in my opinion, which is, <laughs> yes, which is in your all opinion. I offer. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because I'm not the, uh, the wonderful Wizard of Oz. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, from my perspective, the politics is, to me, simple. The globalists are, once again, seriously trying to make their move, period. That's what it is. It's the globalists versus the rest of us who, who don't want to be collectivists. Uh, me, personally, I am vehemently opposed to collectivism. I despise all forms of Marxism, blah, 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 so forth. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, as far as say like the, uh, the, the, the weather issues. Um, I, I'm, uh, I, yeah. little Greta does not deserve any kind of prize or award. She's a petulant little brat and she's fronting for something I, I don't believe in. That's not to say that the climate's not doing crazy things, but what's going on, it's a natural cycle. Yeah. It's a natural cycle that's being politicized and, and exploited by once again, people that want to control you the collectivists right. okay so that's my position on that so that that again there's two things right there you know that, that's just good old-fashioned a-hole human politics um what were the other what were the other things because um, you have to take these things separately there was, okay there well, was how about like the, the yeah the whole et narrative that's being pushed by Hollywood, well, by the governments, by Space Force. Oh, okay. Well, with that, think about it. First of all, you, you got to look at it. Okay, from my perspective, <clears throat> there's, there's um, in our community, there's that industry within the community, and ET has been the main product line for a long time, okay, with where, where UFOs are concerned. And I mean, think about it. Have you ever been to Roswell, New Mexico? I've been there once. No. Okay. Yeah. You know, all the shops I are have. full of t-shirts, coffee mugs, and tchotchkes. Yes. Yeah, it's a booming business there. Yeah. With gray ETs and, and that's, <laughs> yes. that's their, their thing there. So you got, you know, <clears throat> and you've got people selling books. You, you've got this whole industry based on 
you know, the whole, and very specifically the gray ET thing. And a subset of that, of course, is Roswell must be ET, you know, um, and you can't say otherwise. Well, that's because I think the people that are saying you can't say otherwise, somewhere in there, that's being driven by the people who have a financial stake in Roswell being ET and in general, the whole ET thing. So you have those people. Then you have the people that Carol Rosen says Werner von Braun was talking about, <clears throat> the military industrial complex. Right, right, right. That says, hmm, we could use an ET threat to really control things and to really keep the people spun up. Now, remember, a lot of people think, a lot of people misinterpret that. She didn't say von Braun said they're going to create an ET threat necessarily. So there would be one. <laughs> she said they're going to use right. an ET threat or perhaps the ET threat. So it's not like he was saying that there's no legitimate ET threat. It only makes sense that in the vastness of space, if there are intelligent civilizations, there's going to be some that don't like us. There's right. going to be some that are going to be hostile. So <laughs> therefore, there could very well be a legitimate et threat which you know again bring it back to what you're talking about you got the people that want to take advantage of that and then and then after all that you have the real ets mm -hmm. so I, I would say though that that's not the primary motive of say like space force or whatnot i think those are more profit-driven operations for i think space force is simply on the face of it is simply you know the, the military branch yeah that's going to handle space now yeah, uh, you know, as we know, <laughs> yes, the Department yes. of Defense and military <laughs> branches, we got that damn military industrial complex right. that has their their roots and tendrils in in the military. Now, here's the thing: the military is a necessary thing. Um, it's a necessary thing, <clears throat> um, but you have to. Unfortunately, we've learned you got to keep your eyes on who's involved with it, who has their tendrils in it, mm -hmm. and that's just the nature of the beast. This is why. They're, they started criminal investigation agencies within the military. OSI was started um, to investigate fraud that was going on by military contractors, hmm. <laughs> defense contractors. That's how OSI was started. You know, so um, th kind that's like just the thing. Internal affairs. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, an internal affairs kind of thing. Hmm. And... Um, and, and this is so if you'll notice, I'm saying there's all these facets, you know, you can't just say, here's the one answer that covers it all. Why? Because it's a multifaceted thing. And that, again, is why all this discernment, right, and critical thinking is so very important, because you have to take things on a facet by facet, case by case basis. Okay, you got this case, <clears throat> you got to look at that case and, and judge that case based on its merits. And you got the other case over here. You got to look at this case over here on its merits, and you might make a completely different judgment. When, but what's happening is we we're in a period where people are wanting you to just do a broad sweeping conclusion that is the conclusion they prefer that'll cover it all, which is impossible. But yeah, exactly, because it just won't cover it. All. There's too many things going on. I totally, mm -hmm. totally, totally agree. It's multifaceted there's multiple things going on and, and we'll never know what they all are which is the worst part <laughs> yeah i mean part of the part of with like the climate stuff 
Um, and I've got to admit, I don't follow that Greta stuff. I, I, I listen. I saw immediately that she was whatever was going on in her life. I saw she got co-opted and thrown in yeah. as being used. That's terrible. Yeah. But uh, I don't. I, I, I recognize it immediately as part of the chess game. Uh, so, but beyond that, what I when I look out and I see what's going on. And I start sniffing around some of this, the craziness that's gone on with, you know, big snows in the desert and floods in the desert. And I, you know, yeah. like extreme cold here, extreme heat there, weird fires, internal combustion oh, yeah. of stuff. Yeah. This looks to yeah. me like covert, Technology. the new age of war. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I, that, that I'm with you there. I, I think there's very much something to look. We know that earthquake technology existed, you know, in the 19th century. Tesla was fooling around with it. So we've yes. had now over 100 and, you know, about 130 years to develop that farther. And you're telling me they haven't? Nah, I, I've been, I've suspected, like many people have for years now, that we have an earthquake weapon. And, Absolutely. Um, well, look at, you know, I mean, why not a weather weapon? You know? And it, just looking back, also we see the extent in which they went to to cover up the Tesla information mm -hmm. that and because of of the internet and all that and how information is shared now that is just readily available. Mm -hmm. Is it on we, that we, alone? Still, you know, I I hope people that aren't aware. Jerry, finish that thought. Oh, no, there's still a ton of Tesla information that's hidden. Classified. Classified, yeah. Yeah, but, but what my point is that it's not the information. It's the extent at which it was covered up. This we know. Mm -hmm. and, and that in and of itself is where a good investigator goes, okay, there's more to this narrative. Oh, sure. Yeah. Right. And so then we start applying that forward to the tech we have now, the patents to the tech we have now. And then we start looking at the the anomalous nature of all this weather stuff that's going on. And and we need to I think it behooves us to move forward forward with the idea of uh, conflict there. there I mean, I think the days of seriously battle on a battleground, that's past. We've moved into high-tech conflict. And what's a good way to do it? It, it? it is to use these frequency, vibration type weapons. And right. then if we weave in the possibility that there are other factions involved here that may not be... Uh, friendly towards homo sapiens right that's where i'm going here walter and let's not forget homo sapiens that might come from other worlds absolutely and that's that is a major major sidetrack here that people so so it, it just doesn't get covered it, well, well because it does, I think, it's so covered in woo and well, like no, really the exactly, bad woo because because I think that's one of the dirty secrets they don't want us to know. We're told that, I mean, when I hear somebody say, oh, Walter, 
you know, human beings like us could not have developed on any other planet. I just laugh in their face. I, I ask them one question. You've heard me ask it elsewhere. When, or I say this, when our scientists have visited every single habitable planet in the entire universe and not found a single human being developed there or there, then and only then, I say that in capital letters, only then can they say that human beings like us are, 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 can only, you know, have started here and be here. You know, we don't know. There could be countless worlds with human beings just like us. Absolutely. And, uh, think about that, you know, how they could blend with us and mix with us. And, and I say they have. I mean, I'm one of those that I think the Human Genome Project, I think one of the things they're looking for in our DNA is the millions of us who have the off-world DNA. And I yes. think there are millions of us. You yes. Know. Isn't that the I, RH negative folks? No, they say that's one of the things, you know. I think there's way more. I think that's only the surface. There's so much that right. is not uh, exposed in in the light uh, regarding our makeup. Sure. sure. Our, so, our, uh, our caduceus. <laughs> caduceus. But so, so with this, wait, wait, wait. this is another thing with this particular period we're in. So, yeah. you know, so now we can talk space war we can yes. talk space weapons and space programs because that now that is it's been delivered in the way people want this information to be delivered from in america our highest office and uh the, so the, the collective had its foot dipped in it right well uh, we've we've been doing this it's been happening for a long time i think i i, I postulate just looking at patterns sure of 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 I would, stuff I would, that's been repressed. I would and argue so, since Roswell, it's been happening. Forty-seven would be a good case. Who yep. knows? I mean, it's all speculative unless you're on the inside. But I just think that now that our figurehead has given us the right to speak about this stuff in the open, it's changed how it's changed the collective tulpa of of awareness towards space and others out there it we might and this i i say this has probably already been faced by a few among us who have been privy to certain programs uh, and i'm not talking when i talk about that's why i started using the first class at human space program because i refuse to use ssp anymore because of all the ick and the lies and the, the nonsense the blue spheres and all that that got kind of it is sleazy <laughs> that that's just a bunch of garbage that said um i think that you know earthbound humanity the masses are about ready to have kind of a uh and i don't mean specifically like in the novel i'm just using the title uh, we're about facing kind of a, it, it's it's childhood's end folks it's time that all yes. these people who think that, oh, all the extraterrestrials are light and love beings, it, it, <laughs> those, it's time to grow up. It, it's time to accept the fact that we are a world that's in a, a system, in a galaxy, in a universe. And if we really believe and are convinced that there are other worlds out there with civilizations, well, guess what? They might have the technology to traverse the stars. It does not mean that they are necessarily going to be morally superior in everything they do, just like we are not morally superior. Absolutely. I, I think we're going to find <laughs> out that, that the, 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 
they're a lot like us. They, yeah. They're going to have their faults and weaknesses. We're going to have enemies out there. Um, we're going to have civilizations that just say, screw your light and love. We don't care what you think and what you want. Our, you know, our aim is to just control as many systems and worlds as we can control. And, um, you know, it, I think we're going to face times like that. Uh, everything we know in our history that has to do with conflict and, and civilizations clashing, this was practice for being, you know, an, an intergalactic, mm -hmm. uh, you know, civilization or, or, or whatever. I, I think that, you know, but then again, I think that one of the reasons they're looking for the off-world DNA is because some of us are the descendants of people who already come from other worlds, human beings, you know, that came to our world and, you know, stayed and mixed with the human beings that were here. And um, we have this in our legends and our mythologies, right? We have uh, so. it in modern culture, Creo. Yeah. I mean, we you go to France and you marry a French person and you have a baby and you're not exactly. French. <laughs> I mean, they, come on. <laughs> there's something you brought up that I like to use as an example. Um, just like in the age of exploration, the age of discovery, when you know the 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 natives in in America, the Native American cultures, when they saw the Europeans arrive on their shores with their ships. You know, oh, wow, these people from another world. Well, okay, they were from another continent on our world, and they were of a different civilization. I think that's going to be essentially, you know, I think that's what's going on in space. It's going to be no different than, you know, someone from another planet or another world is going to be, it's really going to be just like when people from one continent traveled to another continent. And I agree. It's just that's like the most scale. logical. I mean, yeah. if, if we just keep applying logic and reasonability with with these narratives, it doesn't. None of it's far fetched. Well, it, one of the things that is tripping everybody up with how this, how we should think about these things, and and what should be done about these things, and the the, the infection. I call it an infection because it, it really it does not help humanity or civilization um is this ridiculous uh obsession some people have with the idea of of a utopia that oh my gosh we're going to make some political decision that's just going to fix everything and everything's going to be wonderful that's nonsense that's never happened um making your civilization your society the best um most positive most moral that it can be is is a very noble goal and something that requires work at all times and it doesn't mean that every member of that society or civilization is always going to cooperate this idea that if we would just embrace this guy or that group or this philosophy or that philosophy then we're going to have a utopia um, we need to uh, start rejecting uh, this idea that we can actually achieve a utopia and we need to start rejecting those who are what I call utopianists because they are they are among the most dangerous uh, philosophically for the human race because uh, you know 99% of the time it's the person pursuing a utopia that becomes a totalitarian <laughs> that wants to tell you you know to have our utopia you've got to do what I say or what we the collective say so you know utopianism is is something we we really need to get a handle on and reject 
It's mostly the Roddenberry fanboys, though, that are in that camp. You know, they want that Star Trek Federation. Let's remember, Gene Roddenberry was not some great philosopher. No, I know. Gene Roddenberry was a TV writer in California, and he came up with a great idea for a TV series. That, you know, was a cool idea for movies. He was an entertainer writer. Right. Okay. And you're right. You know, it's like, oh, the great philosophical vision. Uh, give me a break. Um, well, wasn't he involved with, I remember reading about this, that he was involved with the some channeling group at one point. who were channeling a group of ETs, and that's where he got some of these ideas from. Or, or that's the story, right? That's the story. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I do want to ask, though, what do you... <clears throat> so these people who channel the ETs that are all love and light, say like a Chiron type, type or yeah. Daryl, what's-his-face, um, Bashar, I think. These kind of okay. guys who are just full of platitudes, do you think that's all BS? Or do you think they're in a program, I'm air-quoting now, or are they really talking to some off-world intelligence? What do you, what I do think you it's think? mostly BS. Mm-hmm. They're doing it. Um, they, 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 you know, it's most of it's a scam to, uh, to ultimately make money. Mm-hmm. Um, they think they hope, um, I think you do have some people who believe truly that, um, when they, when they go through these motions to channel and such, they, they really believe that, that something's happening. Um, I have, I'm not going to dismiss the possibility that people are actually channeling entities of, of course. Right. Mm -hmm. I think these entities exist and it goes back to entities that are looking for a way in. Um, Or if you're going to say that you also have to accept the possibility that there might be a positive entity that would communicate that way. Of course. Um, However, of what we can look at and what we've seen, particularly in our community, I'm sorry, you gotta, you have to look at it with a wary eye because uh, nine times out of ten, it usually ends up being just you know somebody who's full of BS, a scam artist, some guy that wants to make money, or some guy that wants to get close to women, you know, um, you know, selectively targeting, you know, naive people for whatever reason. And um, the, the thing is, you're up against, this stuff is fun. This stuff is a feel-good thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, in our times where, like, look at me, like I said, I, I quit going to church at 12 years old. It doesn't interest me. Mm-hmm. People have replaced, you know, religion or their spiritual thinking with this stuff. So it becomes their new religion. It becomes what they're basing, what they're all about on. So it's hard to tell them, hey, you know, ma'am, this guru is just screwing you out of money. I I think Um, an argument could be made that uh, that aspect, that that savior mentality has, is an agenda of someone, of something. I I think an agenda's in there too. I would agree with that. Sure. Almost like a Christianity replacement. Or yeah, you know, any churchianity, you name it, you know, take your pick. Right. Um, you know, uh, it's, you have to, and I try to be fair, even though that I think that let's say, and I'm just pulling the number arbitrarily. If, if you hear me say like, well, I think 90% of that is, is no, it's not what it's claiming. That means that 
yeah, I'm telling you, I think there's the remaining 10% that there's something to that. And, and I think that's valid. Yeah, even um, if because one of I those guys staunchly opposed to just because I advocate one thing means I have to advocate everybody else's stuff. No, no. not going to do that. Absolutely. And even one, if one of those guys is real, then it's real. Exactly. You know, that's what I say. This 90% thing, people will hear me say, um, uh, take, uh, uh, for instance, and I do this in a presentation and, and uh, that I do, um, last year in one month, I think it was April of 2019. Let's take just MUFON, MUFON, you know, for yeah. what it's worth. Um, uh, MUFON said there were, I think 5,000 reported UFO sightings in a given month last year. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's say half of those are bullshit. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, just people wanting to say, oh, I saw one too, or, or you know, to get attention. Right. Uh, so that leaves 2,500. <clears throat> okay. Let's say of, of people really saw something. Now let's, let's say only half of those, right, were, um, were actual UFOs. Okay. Not just misidentifying something. Um, so what does that leave us with? 1,250 legitimate UFO sightings. Okay. Now, I say that 90% of those are human tech classified technology. Okay, so, so what does that leave? That leaves 125 that, in my opinion, if I did that right, yeah, anyway, uh, a couple hundred whatever, that in my opinion could be legitimate ET or otherworldly thing. And like you just said, it only takes one. It only takes one. And if I'm still allowing for out of 5,000 up to 200, what does that tell you what I believe? <laughs> it tells you I totally believe there are ETs <laughs> and, and other things. But it, it doesn't mean that I have, to, I have to advocate and say, oh, yeah, they saw one. And, yeah, I believe their story, too. No. Right. Right. Like, so. like trying to believe Adamski stuff. It's like, oh, no. Uh, I don't. <laughs> yeah, nobody does. And Or... or um, or uh, Billy Meyer. Billy Meyer, yeah. My God, oh geez, that's yeah. just that. And when you talk with his advocates, that's just hilarious. But um, I do like the guy. I forget his name. The guy who, who had the pancakes. The ETs made him pancakes. Joe Simonton. Joe Simonton, thank you. Yeah, and remember what uh, what I found in I think it was in one of Valet's books, somebody's book, and I wrote about it in mine, where um, one of my books where I think it was Shimmering Light I wrote it in, the Air Force did an analysis, and it was just uh, <clears throat> it was just a classic buckwheat flour pancake with no sodium. With, with no, no sodium. salt. No salt, right. Which yeah. was his comment, right? It needed salt. Yeah. Um, have you seen that new show, Project Blue Book? On, uh, Not yet. I need to probably binge watch the first season. I really like it. But it seems uh -huh. to be pushing the anti, you know, ETs are a cover-up for our military shit. I Which, heard they're doing that in the second season. Yeah, the, especially uh, with Roswell. So, they they blame Roswell on the Russians. Well, I don't, I do, uh, yeah, the, I, oh my God. On that show, they went with the Russian thing. Yeah. yeah See, I don't think Roswell was ET at all. No, neither I think I. it was the first United States attempt at manned spaceflight. And I, I go into that in detail in my book, Shimmering Light. Um, and I, I, but, uh, the, the Russian thing, no, I think it was our own. Yeah. Uh, well, Russia is always the scapegoat here. It's still, I mean, yeah. 
If people don't see that by now. They're right. messing with our elections right now. I know <laughs> <Jesus>. it. <laughs> you know, it's funny is I spent every day of, you know, 12, the first 12 years of my career before I went into counterterrorism, every day, pretty much working against the agents of the former Soviet Union and then the post-coup, um, F, FRD, FDR, whatever they were calling FRB. it. FRB. was called yeah, okay. FRV, whatever. And the GRU, because being right. a, uh, a military agent, GRU. Um, and I have a different attitude about the Russians of today. It has been my opinion for a while. <clears throat> we need to stop this. This is a new century. They have not been the Soviet Union for 30 years. I and we, we need to go into this new century. We need to be friends with them. Yeah, I agree. And, and if for no other reason than a practical purpose, <clears throat> when China finally decides to make their move, and I'm speaking as a military guy here, mm -hmm. when China finally decides to make their move, we need to be friends with Russia. Mm -hmm. right. Absolutely. I don't know. We need to be friends with India and Japan. Yes. We need to be friends with everybody we can surround yeah. those red bastards with. Well, and uh, isn't that why we let loose the coronavirus on them? <laughs> uh, who knows, right? Yeah. No, well, that's part yeah, of that's... this new covert warfare is for sure. I mean, what about the earthquakes on the West Coast here that, you know, the yeah. synchronistic subs were over there? I mean, there's, that's what I'm talking about with this covert new type of war. Well, you know, people, you mentioned something earlier. People in our community have been uh, saying that darn U.S. government, that darn deep state's using DEW to burn the forest in California, right. we can prove it. <laughs> right. Well, how do they know that's not the Chinese doing that? Absolutely. Or even I asked early on too. Well, the deep how state do is we global. Know that there's not that. It's just a loose term, but that possessive, that possession aspect too, with other other entities and uh, whereas they may be just like us but from somewhere else right you're you're, and, you're talking about uh, the off-world off humans yes ET humans. yes right, and et civil there you go see our space war this dew stuff yes could been, you know could be involved with space war stuff it you know it's i i tell people folks we need we need a space force even the most cynical person is fooling themselves if they think that space force is just a completely you know controlled by the deep state kind of thing we you know yeah we got to watch those military industrial complex guys mm -hmm. and we know why but, of course you know, but we we're need not going to shut down the air force the navy yeah. and the army just because the military industrial complex exists absolutely and it, at this point looking just stepping back and looking at the state of things and if you just want to look at it from uh stripping away what seems natural and what seems unnatural and then even just getting bare bones and looking at patents if this it's not adding up walter and right. um it, it, to me it's looking quite clear but i just keep hearing one narrative after another that in the in the the crazy debunkers so everyone that thinks that this is a cry wolf situation because of the tests that have been played out like the prior tests mm -hmm. with zika and ebola and all this that were yeah. test runs i think wait zika this, the porn star this is not this is live <laughs> this is no, lifetime Zika. Zika, that's right, Zika. Zika. This is live time. 
this is lifetime now. I think that this this is not uh, a ruse. I think that this is uh, something that ha is going down. It's gone down, and and the question is, what was the where is the nexus here? And it's synchronistic with the space war, and it's synchronistic right. with all this other stuff that's going on that's getting piled over with crazy shit <laughs> that's yeah. making it all look bad. Yeah, exactly. And um, this is why I tend to be, and and I try to be as gentle as I can with it. And yeah, I do use humor. Um, but this is why I think we need to be critical of the nonsense and the childish stuff, because we have some serious things we have to um, uh, deal with that we're going to encounter off this planet. And who knows that we, you know, I, I'm with you. I think we've been encountering some of the, you know, some of them. Um, and, and not just they come down and they land and they say hi and, you know, take a little, you know, scoop of uh, your, your skin to, you know, test. The, I, no, no, no. I mean, I think we've been encountering the um, threats and, uh, you know, in maybe in some cases, you know, an, an attack on some level or at least testing the waters. In other words, the uh, <coughs> firing the volley over the bow, you know, some of this yes. stuff might yeah. be, uh, you know, Joseph Farrell <coughs> has talked about this theme, you know, may, maybe some of these near miss asteroids have been the equivalent of firing a shot over the bow, you yes. know, uh, hurl a <laughs> rock at us, see yes. if we can deal with it to, you know, to count our guns as it were. Right. Like, you Uma, know, that, that's Uma, a right. True old military uh, tactic. Is it They say that could have been like a probe ship or something. Yeah, that was yeah. not. Well, you've got to love the propaganda around that with the, the imaging they threw with the, looking like an oh. oblong rock. Oh my <laughs> God. I, heard, I mean, come on. <laughs> I heard Corey Good after, after that whole thing come out and talk about how it was a spaceship and then he landed on it and they were looking at all the tech. Oh, and God. God I know, Jesus. I know, I know. It was crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I um, can't. Yeah, this is why I don't even listen to any of that nonsense. So, so you made me think of this, that this whole, like for the last two years, has been a real push of intersectionalism and tolerance and backlash against those who are allegedly intolerant, but not really just, you know, the whole, you know what I'm talking about. Um, maybe like if you just simply question some things? Like, like the whole, I, I don't want to single out any particular thing per se but for instance like transgenderism and how that's being pushed on everyone right now is being you know everyone needs to accept it that's just one aspect you know everyone needs to accept right. all the shit that somehow could be playing into the agenda of getting us ready for et Oh, that, I, yeah, I didn't think about I didn't think about that angle. Um, you know, what's interesting is I, I, I talk about kid number two who saw the cryptid with me. Right. Okay. She's she's my right. um, she, she's an adopted kid, a, a friend of mine. When the dramatic story is, you know, a, a friend of mine, when he was dying, he asked me to watch out for his kid. And I, I agreed to. So I kind of adopted her and, and she's transgender. Right. So I have a transgendered person, you know, living, you know, in my household. And she thinks like us. Mm -hmm. She thinks that it gets pushed too much. Oh, it does. And yeah. It's, so it's, there, <clears throat> what what you're seeing are the more vocal transgender proponents of 
the agenda when you see the being pushed. There's a lot of them that they don't they they just want to they just want to pursue being what they believe they are and they don't want to be shoving at anyone's faces. Right. I'm and, sure that's uh, the majority too. Them. Right. Yeah, we don't we don't hear about them. Now, you could the discussion on that subject itself is a completely different discussion. Right. Um and and, and I've had that with mm-hmm. you know Liliana and you know she totally sees some of my points. I mean, <clears throat> I've suggested I said, "You know what? Maybe there's a a past life thing going on there where, you know, I, she and I have talked where I've said, maybe in every past life you've had, you were female. Mm-hmm. And this was the first one you were born male. And because there's spillover, mm-hmm. you still identify, you know, as, as the female. And she's very open to that idea, you know, when, when we discuss that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a very interesting discussion. I find that to be very interesting yeah, that from is very- perspective of people in our community who believe in things like i'm convinced that reincarnation is a real thing so mm-hmm. i think it does play into this whole uh, gender identity thing or or you know um, identity issues to begin with but, but on a uh, on a larger note with that it, yeah. it's it's the p it's not just with uh with gender and all that, but with titles, with what we right. call ourselves, people that people are generally just trying to live. Oh, and you know, you mean that that whole pronoun thing? You, well, just anything, anything. Yeah. Do, I'm yeah. a doctor. I'm That's this. Insane. I'm PTSD. I'm this or that. Yeah. And yeah. we're it's crazy. We, it right where it's ego involvement, but and then back totally. to the transgender thing. It you know most of the transgender people I know. You don't know they're transgender, right? You know, and they don't, they don't talk. It's to. not a. It's not an issue. You shouldn't have to even be talking about your genitals and your your process through your identity with your avatar. Well, and it doesn't really need to be a conversation right. in general, and, and, unless and you're activating. We, yeah, when we get to a point in our society where we're going to make it illegal for someone to use a wrong pronoun. That's insanity. Oh no, that's it. Well, no, that's oh, what that's makes me think this is a narrative. And as we're talking yeah. about, as a as an agenda towards what and how, but the the real the core down there that is actually a minority, a very small group yeah. of real oh, transgender both. people. Yeah. Very, it's a small. It's small. It's not this big wave that's all of a sudden come on, right. and. And that's what's, you know, we all know that's a stinking agenda. You can smell it with any other thing too, not just transgenderism. Well, it it comes back to the collectivists, the globalist collectivists. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to use everything they can. This goes back to Zerzinski of the Soviet, early days of the Soviet Union. You know, the guy who's one of the guys who came up with all this social engineering tactics and, and, and stuff that they consciously said they were going to use. And they've been using it for decades. And even after the Soviet Union goes away, you know, the methods are still effective. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, you know, look at the, the Sololinsky book and, and all that stuff. These people, these people, these collectivists, these people that are embracing Marxism and all the brands of it, <clears throat> they're really in a very um, frantic, vicious phase of their existence right now and that's what makes them dangerous is we have seen when they don't get their way how they react emotionally well that's the kind of thing that triggers 
you know, cannonballs being fired on Fort Sumter, so to speak. Um, that's the kind of, um, you know, high-charged emotionalism uh, because they've been led astray, because they've been spoon-fed um, uh, utopianism their entire lives. They've been told lies, and they've not been made to grow up. They haven't been um, taught how to uh, wield um, reality. So they, they react like Walter. little children. It's huh? programming. It's programming. Yes. Yeah. At the bottom, at the bottom base note of that, it's programming. And mm -hmm. again, I, I have to question that idea of possession again in the larger sense, in the larger sure. sense, stripped away from religion. Yeah. What, what possibly could be going on here with these programs and why they're being so really intensely, fiercely pushed at this particular time, more so than ever, you know, think. I, I think I, I think the and I do think it goes back to this. I think that the scientists and the uh, particularly the occult um, specialists within the psychology arm of MK Ultra development, for example, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that they learned things that for lack of a better way to describe it, we're on that, what we would call that magical level about the human mind and controlling the human psyche and by pushing buttons and pulling strings in the subconscious. And I think that uh, that, like, like when you say possession, I think that they found a way to, uh, to activate a synthetic possession, mm -hmm. but instead of an entity, it's it's an idea. It's it's an ideology. That's what it is. The demon here is um, <laughs> yes. a cleverly a cleverly injected demonology or ideology into the subconscious. Oh, that's beautifully put. Yes, <laughs> of course, you're a writer. So, that's what I think, <laughs> um, and this is why that was such ultimately an insidious world that they that they went into and started dabbling with. And, um, you know, the genie was out of the bottle. Yeah, I know there was the church committee and slap your hands, CIA. Don't you do that again, you bad guys. Mm -hmm. But the genie was out of the bottle. You had a bunch yeah. of, I mean, you, you can't control the, everybody at McGill University in, in Montreal who was part of fooling with this stuff. You know, once, once it got out, you're going to have any psychologist, psychiatrist, um, particularly occult scientists that sees the data and learns these techniques, they're going to use it. And I think they have been. Well, look at how popular Walter, like just on a, on the surface level, like uh, the mystery method, the, the con artist way to pick up women, right? That was hugely popular. And um, from that guy named mystery, and he was teaching all these dudes how to pick up, women through these used, tried, and confirmed techniques like creating value and then, the, you know, it's the whole thing. So he's, wow. he's, he's applying this. He's making a lot of money. He's a con, he's a pickup artist, not a con artist, yeah. which I, it could be the same thing. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> but for men that can't get women and, you know, or feel they don't have the advantage in that 
and from base level to just wanting some pussy to wanting a wife, you know, all the way from A to Z. And so you have people out there buying these programs that understands NLP and mirroring and these really powerful psychological tools. And now they're using them all willy nilly, just at, at base level to just socially interact with uh, women. And then this stuff becomes almost autonomic, right? Then you start seeing that yeah. spill over in their workplace. And then this, this whole thing spreads. And, yeah. and then we've got that in the world that is happening. And then you just apply this to other layers of, sure. uh, of social engineering that yeah. trickle down from the top that get yeah. commandeered or co-opted by, you know, low level sharks that want to make money and sell these techniques to the yeah. common Joe. And now we've got a big mess. Yes. Yeah. We, we've got a big mess and a, a, a big threat, um, of enslavement of <coughs> an entire intelligent species um, which the enslavement's happening like, you know, the frog in the boiling water, um, or, or the, you know, it, it's the enslavement's being fed to them one spoonful of sugar at a time, you know, it feels great as it's happening, and why aren't the rest of you on board, and then, you know, then they're, they're able to push buttons and flip switches, that then it, why aren't the rest of you on board becomes, by God, the rest of you will be made to get on board or we'll burn it all down. Um, you know, I think that uh, this is what they were doing with, you know, when you go back and you read uh, in the early days, late 19th century, early 20th century, and, you know, you had these uh, radicals, you know, with, with bombings and shootings and stuff going on. I think they were practicing these tactics then, uh, you know. I agree, um, yeah. You know, look at, look at Gateau, who shot... Uh, um, Garfield, President Garfield, James Garfield, you know, he was, uh, you know, certifiable because of, you know, the thing, the cruelties that his father was unleashing on him in childhood. And, you know, I don't think we know the, the whole story of, of Charles Gateau, um, who, who shot Garfield. And uh, it's, um, I, I think those are early clues. Look at, look at Sirhan Sirhan. And the weirdness around yes, that. Lots uh, of weirdness. Tons of weirdness. Yeah. And uh, of course, <laughs> you know, everybody has seen all the, you know, looking at uh, Lee Harvey Oswald and the stuff around that. Um, so, but, you know, those, yet, are just that's, those are good examples. And yet you still can mention, say, Lee Harvey Oswald. And I, you know, almost sometimes depending you know 10 out of 10 people are still spewing the the controlled narrative oh oh the magic bullet and it was just yeah, him yeah what about like stephen paddock i think that's a modern day patsy yeah. type of thing the whole big okay, i think the masses i think the masses still buy by what was churned out at them and and want to move on and this is part of how the social engineering is working as well this is why i think things that are dangerous and i've been saying this for a minute is that it's generation x and above that are under attack right now because yeah. the the younger generations are already primed and ready their 15 minutes time span on stuff it's everything's yeah. flash and nobody wants to look back and nobody really 
actually truly questioning. So isn't it funny that some of these things that are happening, mm-hmm. Gen Xers shouldn't be dying off at the rate they are. We're in, we just shouldn't be. And, you know, it it's happening. The virus that's coming out of China and this other virus is, it seems to really be attacking people in their 40s. Come on. So... <laughs> I think that in that comes back to childhood end and, and narratives like that where you you get rid of the old guard. You know, the Nazis did this. It's the, it was yeah. the youth, you know, and the Chinese have long been doing this forever. They think in terms of 100-year blocks. They have long legs with social engineering. None of this is new. No, no, uh-uh. Uh, but the, the technology thing. is new and the ability yeah. to play the game is new and the masses are still not up to par because they've been programmed. Right. right. People who want to rule the world have always been with us and unfortunately they always will be with us. And they're just finding new ways to, you know, win over, you know, as many followers as they can. And um, they're finding new ways to, radicalize their followers Mm -hmm. and i think that's you know we're seeing that we're we're seeing that because they've they figured out how to push the um psycho-emotional buttons in a way that um you know uh, thank you mk ultra mind controllers never could what's that thank you mk ultra yeah uh, mk ultra that whole thing really um we're lucky that it even happened that the church committee thing happened imagine like i say in in my book shimmering light um people forget this the cia had to come clean about mk ultra right the united states air force who was the most enthusiastic customer of cia regarding mk ultra programs they were never made to report before congress what they were doing with this right never it was only the cia was brought on the carpet for that and if you read the history of the mk ultra development the military branches expressed interest but the it really turned the air force on the air force dug that shit and um you know which is weird why would the Air well, Force? Yeah, yeah, yes and no. I mean, I try to explain it from terms of during the Cold War, um, you're trying to find a way to protect your programs and your information. And I think naively, they saw MK Ultra as a way of, hey, hey, serviceman, servicewoman, you work on this special project. And when the project is done, we get in there, we flip some switches, and you don't got to worry about saying the wrong classified thing because you won't remember it. Mm-hmm. And I see service people, remember, this was a new toy. I see service people saying, yeah, man, I'll do it. Count me in. Anything for the team. And not realizing the bad things that were going to be going on or the, you know, the maybe that had already happened. It's like that, that. I, it was a naive embrace. I think. No, I, I totally get that. It's like that uh, Philip K. Dick story. I forget which one it was, but they made it into a movie with Ben Affleck, uh, Paycheck or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. What about the idea with all this stuff going on? So we have all this crazy global stuff going on that's overwhelming to think about. And then we have figureheads pushing pushing how terrible some of it is that get co-opted like Greta. And, you know, at the core, she's right. There is terrible stuff going on, but then, you know, she gets controlled. But so all of this terrible stuff going on, and then we've got impeachment, we got 
Putin doing this and we got emperors and, you know, all this stuff that is, I can't help but see that this is a mass MK Ultra experiment on the public in general by presenting all this traumatic stuff at once. It's like, what is, why is all this traumatic stuff happening? Okay. Is there's an yeah. apex. Do you see where I'm going, Walter? A, a, yeah, but I would, I would put, I would fine tune it a little more. It's not. Please that do all, that for me. Yeah, well, this is just my perspective. Um, you could totally disagree with it. I think that it's not that all the stuff that's going on is part of an MK Ultra agenda thing. What's happening is the nature of our world is that, think about it, look through history. If you really give an honest look at history, there was always a bunch of stuff going on, but we were more uh, detached from each other before technology, before communications and travel technology, right? So in your part of the world, it didn't look like every, all the stuff that was going on was going on. In our times, we can fly, you know, from, I can be in Europe in 11 hours from California, okay? Um, so I can turn on the TV and I get what's going on, you know, with the yellow vests or even smaller incidences going on in Europe, whereas, you know, 50 years ago, you'd turn the TV on and you wouldn't see that kind of stuff. So uh, it, it's, it's, there's always been a lot of stuff going on. There's always been a lot of negative with the positive. What's happening that I agree with you on is the people using, the, for lack of a better way to put it, MKUltra uh, tools on us is they're, they're applying um, our exposure and our, uh, the spin of all this stuff that's going on using MKUltra. That's how they're, so it, it's, it's not so much that the they're things not going on it. are necessarily all it. staged. Yeah. They're, it's the filter. They're filtering it through their control tools. Yeah, right? that's, that's what I meant, Walter. That's, they're taking advantage. That's just like almost yeah. like the frosting. Yeah. Taking yeah. advantage it's, of what's already going on. Now, here's where you can have some hope, because I, I cannot stand the, the, you know, we all know people that are doom and gloom all the time, and there's nothing you can do, man, we're screwed. I, you know, grow up. Um, here's the thing. If these rotten bastards doing this stuff to us, if there was really nothing we could do, if they were really in total control, uh, they wouldn't be playing games, hiding behind anything. This world we're in across the board, every continent would be a much shittier place to live in than it is. My personal view is there must be a, a power and authority, some type of resistance that can match their power that they have, keeping them somewhat in check. That's why it's a chess game. That's why it's a hidden hand game. Because if there was no resistance to these guys, they they would have nothing to hide. They'd be a lot more out in the open with their nefarious things. It'd be obvious. We'd all be living in the world of, you know, THX 1138, you know, or, or any kind of sci-fi, you know, animal farm, you name it. Right? It would be obvious. So yeah. also, know, take heart in knowing that somebody out there is on our side. The flip side of that is that the idea that there is some coordinated thing going on is is false. That it's small factions right. of people who are trying to control things, which is way yeah, more everybody's likely. Yeah, trying to get control, right? Right, exactly. And they're all fighting amongst themselves. I don't think there's some kind of global cabal, you know, other than building. Uh, well, I think, I think one faction controls this 
country yeah. or geographical area. And the, the other faction controls that geographical area. And then a third faction, you know, and um, is right. this really new? No. <laughs> right. It's But I, I like I would say, it's not like London, the Vatican, the city of London, Vatican and D.C. control the world. You know, not. I, I, no, I, no, I, no. I, I think I think elements and in, in, in players in those places are co-optees. Yes. For these kinds of things. Yeah. Yes. I mean, we, yeah. you know, but you're right. It's it's not, you know, when, when you think you when you can point to a place and say they control you immediately need to tell yourself you're wrong because it's the place you don't, you're not pointing to is where the control is really coming from. Exactly. There is no them. Great. Well, well there's a them, but they're not, I think, but there's not, they are not as omnipotent as many people believe yeah. in, as they'd like us to believe, but there's much, a them. Much there's better a them stated. Because there's an us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. Do you have anything you want to plug, like your uh, contact yeah, in the uh, desert? I mean, did, we, did we cover everything you want to talk about, or did I meander too far? I skipped a couple things, but no, you didn't meander <clears throat> far at all. I wanted to okay. ask you about the if you were familiar with the gateway process, the CIA thing. N not as such, but, but maybe sometime if we... Uh, if you flesh that out a little bit more, I might know what you're talking about, but I don't might not know it as such. It's probably it a longer process. conversation that we probably should skip for now. Maybe next time. Yeah. It's, it's a, <laughs> okay. it's a meditation technique to get you out of body. I think it had to do with the Monroe. Oh, vaguely aware of that. Vaguely, yeah. yeah. But I could bone up on that. We could talk about that in the future. That'd be great. Yeah, I would love this to do is, that. We definitely need to conjoin again. Cause this, I love to, speaking with wait, you. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, thank you. I, yeah. So do I. I had one more question from someone in the audience wanted to know what denomination oh, sure. you were raised, what church denomination? Oh boy. My dad was Catholic cause he comes from Irish roots, mm -hmm. Irish. And as I found out, looks like Portuguese Basque roots, Portuguese slash Basque roots. And, but Catholic, my mom's from the South. So she was a Southern Baptist. Baptist okay. So, uh, uh, they, they decided to take us. The first church we went to was Lutheran. And then we went to various denominational churches in Protestant Christianity. And by the time I was 12, as I said, I'd had enough of that. So and we covered all that in Knox Mente. Yeah, right. They want to get well, all that good yeah. stuff. About Oswald you. needed to know. So anyway, so tell us, tell us about Contact in the Desert and your new book that's coming out. Oh, soon thank you. And... Yes, I'm, I'm going to be speaking at Contact in the Desert. And uh, some people say, how could you do that? And I'm like, hey, <laughs> be open to the fact that they're having guys like me. Yes, you know, <laughs> presenting there. So I'm excited about it personally, um, and I'm speaking on. Uh, uh, it's the last weekend in May. I, I think I'm speaking the evening on Saturday, May 30th. But go to contactinthedesert.com to check it out and get tickets. I'm uh, looking forward and to doing that, and I look forward to seeing people there. Um, and what was the other uh, books? You working on a new book? My books. My my books. Um, uh, at lulu.com print on demand i i only have two books at amazon that's on kindle that's my disneyland book latitude 33 and shimmering light but i do not sell my books on amazon because they are terrible for small press publishers right. independent publishers and small press authors so lulu.com you got to wait a few days to get it but they're really good quality books they're excellent uh, i put a link in the description to your page Thank you. Thank you. And I'm, I'm presently working on what I'm 
uh, tentatively calling Secret Missions 5. It's physically the fifth book in my Secret Missions series. Um, but I will be going back and doing a second volume of Napoleon. Right. Oh, I, I'm Napoleon. so excited about that, Walter. But the one I'm working on now is kind of, it's going to be kind of a companion that shows you chronologically how um, that there are threads that connect all the Secret Missions books together. Cool. That's what the current one is that I'm working on. Be sure to get that one. Are, were you planning on coming to Paramania in Austin? Um, I'm I, I playing it by ear. Okay. I have some things going on that will that may very well uh, allow me to afford to go to hop on a train or a plane and, and get there and go. But as of right now, it's still tentative. Okay. I very much would like to uh, to go to that. Well, I will be there. So if you're there, we will drink together. Um, All right. You should also check out the Strange Realities Conference coming up in September in Nashville. Okay. I'll be speaking. Oh, yeah. They, uh, uh, my buddy uh, Tim Banal went Tim, to that. I think. Yeah, Tim went last year. He did a flat earth thing. It was great. It was, it was a great conference. Um, I'm going to yeah, be speaking the, uh, at that. Uh, in it's September. interesting. The Nashville Parthenon is how I got started yes. in commenting on Tartaria. <laughs> <laughs> They're actually, this year, at the conference is going to be on Saturday and on Sunday. They're going to do like an esoteric walkthrough of Nashville, like a walking tour. And the Parthenon okay, cool. is absolutely featured in that. And I'll be speaking at that conference. Oh, excellent. Yes. excellent. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. Maybe I can make that. Yeah. Maybe I can make that one. Um, we could, yeah. Walter, we should do an RV together and go from the West Coast to the East. That's a long drive. <laughs> that <laughs> would be a great trip. A bunch, you we know, would have fun. That, that would be a really cool trip, you know. We could get hitched in, in, in Vegas. <laughs> Did I just say that out loud? Sorry. <laughs> All right. Anyway. It's my little girl crush on you. Sorry. What? I get oh to marry gosh. him first. <laughs> I know. We, we have to share with Jerry. Be a triad. Anyway, thank Not you. Not to be Jerry awkward. Might be the better choice because I've been married twice. I, I know. I And I'm just kidding. I just, and for anyone listening, that was so out of the blue. You should see Walter's face. <laughs> anyway, this has been a great pleasure. Yes. I, I thank just, you so much. I cannot say enough about how wonderful it is to dive into these deep waters and come out always feeling a little bit more uh, refreshed. And there's there's no crazy, uh, I never feel, there's no fear porn with you, Walter. And I really, really appreciate that. Well, sure, thanks. I, I appreciate coming on and talking with you guys. And, and you know, I do try to be, uh, you know, as, as realistic and discerning and honest. I try to be an honest broker of the stuff that, you know, because I know I put some stuff out there that some people are like, oh, that's nutty. But I, I, I yeah, I try to be realistic about it. So that's why we love you. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Jerry. Thank you, Nish. Thank you, Walter. Thank you, everyone who's thank listening you. and people in chat. And uh, next week, we'll be back with Nox Mente with our guest, Adam Tarsus. As soon as he sends Yay. me a picture, I will post the Wait. video. Wait, next week is, is next week Adam Tarsus? Yeah. Okay, I, I guess I get it all confused. Sorry, I'm looking forward to Adam is a genius. Yeah, Adam's cool. And the week after that's Craig Williams. And then I've got nobody booked in March. So we'll be getting, I'll be getting on that. But we will have Dr. Farrell will be our guest on the obelisk next month. Yeah. Yay. Excellent. Yay. So anyway, thanks everyone. Have a great night and we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye.